Hello there, Dave here. And before we get into today's episode about Pentiment, there are some really cool people that I would like to say thank you to. Some personal heroes of mine like Chris Nelson, the Top 3 Podcast Crew, Zul Geek, Colby Moyer, Eric Guess, Rick Firestone, Jill, Kieran, ZNA, Cupcake, Kyle, Kristen S., Matt, aka Stormageddon, JD, new patron Joe from New Dawn Games, and many more have all gone to patreon.com slash Jackson to kick me a few bucks and help support the show. I appreciate all of you very much, and you, listener, can be just like them. Once again, that's patreon.com slash Jackson. Every dollar goes back into the show, buying games, buying equipment, paying for podcast-related expenses. All support in any form is always appreciated, and without further ado, on to Pentiment. Hello everybody, my name is Dave Jackson and you're listening to Tales from the Backlog. This is a video games review podcast where each week a guest and I take a game out of the backlog and discuss in detail. My guest today is a friend of the show, a writer for geek to geek Media and host of the Troidal Power Presents the Power Playthroughs podcast with Troidal Power, calligraphy enthusiast. Troidal Power, welcome to the show, Troy. Hello, thank you. You did a good job. My see the the secret trick of the name of my podcast is it's actually a plosives test to yes. see how how well you can control <laughs> those just nasty sounds on your microphone and you did a great yeah. job with it. Good, good. That's that's why I buy the million dollar pop filter so that I can <laughs> pronounce the name of your podcast. So while we're on the subject, um can you explain to everybody uh I said you're a writer and you do this podcast, the Power Playthroughs podcast. Uh can sure. you explain to everybody what that stuff is? Uh, yeah, so I'll start with gig to geek Media first, because that's a little more straightforward. Uh, right. It's it's just a, it's a gaming and general nerd culture uh, kind of blog site that uh, a couple friends of mine started up uh, years before they were friends with me. And then mm-hmm. I became friends with them and they were like, hey, you should help us out with this. And now, like, I have two or three things usually a week that I post up there. Nice. Of, uh, games that I'm checking out. Um, and then attached to that over on a Troidal Power Presents the Power Playthroughs podcast with Troidal Power, which you, you can just find it by searching tr- <laughs> Troidal Power or the Power Playthroughs podcast. Like, you'll find mm-hmm. it. Uh, <laughs> I do uh, audio-only Let's Plays. So it's like listening to Twitch. Um, sometimes I'm doing longer games. Like, I'm slowly working through Oracle of Ages right now, where I'm recording literally every time I play the game, I'm, I'm recording... Uh, playing through it and then sometimes it's random one off so a lot of the games that i'm going to review for geek to geek media i'll record the first time that i sit down and play it mm-hmm. and describe everything that's happening uh so that you can you can listen to it so if you've got podcast time at work but can't have twitch up you can you can listen to somebody play games instead yeah yeah and i you know i heard you talk about this on another podcast that we guested on together a while ago um and i i was thinking like you know audio only let's plays how does that work but then i've listened to your episodes and like audio only twitch is a good um kind of shorthand for it but i think you do you're a lot more descriptive than right. the average twitch streamer is about like what's happening uh so it's 
it's like a, a stream of consciousness type of like, oh, this is happening. Oh, now this is happening. Oh, no, no, not that. And then <laughs> it's it's a good time. I really enjoy listening to it. Plus, you're reviewing a lot of um, indie games that I've never heard of uh, that are totally off my radar. So it's a cool way to get a little bite of uh, a little taste of um, some games that I would have never heard about. So it's cool. Yeah, I, I really like doing it. I started it... Um, I, there was one other person I knew of who was doing it at the time that I decided I was going to make one. We've eventually gone back uh, historically and figured out I think I'm the fifth person to to do an audio-only Let's Play of, <laughs> of some sort. Um, but there's there's now a whole little community of us who make them. And I think most of our listeners are other people who make audio-only Let's Play podcasts. But mm-hmm. we're, we're just a, a very particular kind of weird that that works for. Um, and speaking of hearing about games, have you – I'm jumping. I'm sorry. I've just remembered. Have you played Eldorand yet? Uh, no, I, I remember you did an episode at, on it. Look at yeah. Eldorand. No, what okay. I know of you, which granted is not a whole lot, I think Eldorand <laughs> will be up your alley. Okay. Um, yeah, sorry. That just popped into my head. <laughs> nice. Like, I have to tell nice, him. yeah. So yeah, I will uh, just give a quick recommendation at the beginning that uh, if you want to read uh, reviews about, you know, indie games that may be off your radar and hear about some cool stuff, check out um, Geek2Geek Media. And then for that audio only Let's Play, um, if you're wondering what that's all about, or if that sounds like cool to you, you can check out the Power Playthroughs podcast. Troidal Power presents the Power Playthroughs podcast with Troidal Power. (laughs) And again, you don't have to type that whole thing in your search bar. Um, Today, we're going to be talking about Pentiment which is a narrative adventure game developed by Obsidian and published by Xbox Game Studios for PC and Xbox in 2022. Uh, I want to give a shout out to the patrons of the Tube Podcast Network and this show. Uh, This game won a poll on Patreon to be a part of the show. Uh, So thank you to all the patrons. Thank you, everybody who voted for this game. Um, If you want to take part in votes for future episodes, that is available to all patrons starting at $2 per month. So a little quick plug for that at the beginning. Now, if you're listening and you don't know what Pentiment is, we've prepared some elevator pitches for you. Uh, So I'm going to say this is a historical murder mystery slash drama uh, where the historical setting extends through every aspect of the game, the art and the music and everything. Uh, so Troy, what about you? Uh, I called it a historical whodunit choose your own adventure book that happens to be a video game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the choose your own adventure is something we're definitely going to get into uh, for sure. This uh, this game took me 14 hours to play uh, to completion. Was that about the same for you? I'd estimate mine was probably shorter, probably closer to 10 hours. Um mm-hmm. I didn't keep close track of that and it was split up over a lot of gaming sessions because I have a Um, (laughs) three-year-old. But uh, I'll just say here, the reason I think mine was shorter, I turned on the instant dialogue option, which we can talk more about what that means later. But I think that that cut down substantially on my playtime. For sure. Uh, What did you play this on also? Um, I, ooh, that's, that's a very complicated question. Uh, this is on Game Pass, which is wonderful because it means right. I can play it on my Xbox and also my PC. I rarely play games on my PC, but this game in a lot of ways is suited for PC. And then, mm-hmm. uh, through that, I then transitioned to playing it on my iPad using Steam Link by adding a non-Steam game to Steam so that <laughs> I could uh, play it there. And that's actually, I think, the best way to play it. If if and when this game ever gets released as a, a tablet game, I think it will be the best way to experience it. 
Yeah, um, I I think I played this on PC the whole time, um, although I did use the Game Pass cloud gaming to play on my phone when I was at work mm-hmm. sometimes uh, during lunch breaks and stuff. So um, I agree this will be a great tablet game. It will be a great Switch game if it ever makes it to the Switch. Um, if you have a Steam Deck, I'm sure it'll be great on Steam Deck. Great portable game. I like to play really text-heavy games portable. I don't like sitting in front of the the computer for those. Yep. Um, but I did. Uh, and uh, yeah, so to get into the spoiler policy for this episode, um, if you have not played Pentiment yet, fear not because the whole purpose of this show is we're going to do a deep dive review with no spoilers for a while. And then there will be a spoiler wall. We're going to warn you. And then after that, we're going to discuss uh, what happened in the story for us. So if you have not played Pentiment, you can listen for a while, check down in the show notes, and you'll be able to see when that spoiler wall is. Now, Getting into the game, um, Troy, I, I know I, I think I reached out to you with this game in mind uh, as something to have you come on the show, but I knew that it was already on your radar. So what was it that put it on your radar and made you want to play? Um, I I am so glad you reached out with this because this was not a game I was going to play. It was a game I wanted to play, but I wasn't going to play. Okay. Um, <laughs> so what I mean by that is when it was first revealed, I saw the art style and I was like, that's really cool. And conceptually, just the idea that Obsidian uh, was making a game that looked like this, like, mm-hmm. was yeah. weird enough that I was intrigued by it, but I wasn't, like, sold on it. And then I kept hearing the Waypoint podcast crew talk about it. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if you've heard the interview they did with one of the creators, but it turns out that one of the guys from Waypoint Radio actually studied under the same history professor as the guy who made the game. And so they realized this during the interview. He's like, wait a minute, you just said (laughs) the name of a guy. And so that's why he was so fond of it. And, and, but yeah, Mm. hearing them talk about it, I was like, I just kept thinking this game sounds really cool. I don't think I'll play it. Um, and that's, that's kind of where I was at until you reached out. And I was like, cool, because I like have this mental block where I want to play that game, but I don't think I'm going to play that game. Mm -hmm. And it was only because of the podcast that ended up pushing through and actually picking it up and playing it. Cool. Yeah, um, I think that I was more on the track of like, I was going to play it eventually, but I was in that same kind of position where I was like, I really want to play that. It looks cool. They, of course, like you said, the art style, Obsidian's behind it. They've made some of my favorite games in the past. Um, they, like you said to Obsidian, making a game that is very different from stuff they've made in the past. Um, I like it when developers do stuff like this. They They buck their um, established like type of game, uh, and right. make something cool and interesting, but it was, it, so it's on game pass. So anything on game pass is automatically like it's right there at my fingertips. I could play it anytime. And I just didn't for a long time <laughs> until it won this Patreon poll. That's probably why I put it in the poll to begin with. Like, just give me a reason to play yep. it, which I think was my response when you reached out to me. I was like, ah, great. Here's, here's the right. reason to do it. <laughs> exactly. So, uh, to get into some just quick opening thoughts about um, Pentiment, um, I'm glad that this game won the Patreon poll. Um, the previous winner of the Patreon poll was a game I really hated. Uh, this one, I really liked this. I had a great time with it. I enjoyed the story a lot. I enjoyed, like, the art style is so different from basically every other video game except that other one that went on Game Pass recently. Yeah, it's just a, like it. In, in, in. It's Illuminati and Ink. I don't Inculinati or something like that. Inculinati, yeah. Yeah. I was um kinda like 
okay, that's that's cool. Like, is it going to hold up throughout the entire experience or I'm going to get sick of the, you know, the way it looks and the pen scratching and all of that stuff. I never really did. I, I enjoyed this, like... I enjoyed the ride a lot. There's parts in the story where it's kind of like choose your adventure and nature didn't really mesh together very well. I don't yeah. think we'll talk about those in the spoilers section, but overall I really, really enjoyed this game. Um, had a great time. Once again, thank you patrons for voting this. Uh, Cause I'm very happy to have played this now. How about you? I, I think I have to start this, this spot by talking about, the speech bubbles because you kind of yeah. referenced it there. So just in case anyone doesn't know that, I mean, this game is talking that that is the game is, is mm-hmm. talking to people hearing what they have to say, but the yeah. way they talk to you is through speech bubbles. But the, the fun, weird, interesting, I don't know what word to describe it. Cause I still don't know how I feel about it. The hook mm-hmm. of the speech is that it's written out like as if somebody's writing it out. And so like the first people you talk to are going to be, I think the first people are some farmers. And so they kind of have like a really like loose kind of messy writing. And then as you talk to like somebody who's a scholar, they'll be much fancier handwriting and it actually writes it all out as they go. Mm -hmm. And so you, you kind of started your section there by saying, I wonder if this is going to hold up for me. And the art style held up for me wonderfully throughout that concept, which seems to be something they're so proud of held up for me for about 20 minutes. And then I was so annoyed <laughs> by the speech bubble system, mm-hmm. um, which is kind of encompasses how I feel about a lot of Pentiment. I, I really loved, I can't even say that. I am so glad to have played Pentiment and I mm-hmm. like Pentiment a lot that the, the one line summary I gave for this when I finished, I post stuff on Twitter when I finished games was that I like Pentiment as everything but a video game. Um, mm-hmm. I didn't like playing it but I liked playing it, but I didn't like the act of playing it. Like Mm -hmm. (laughs) it felt like it was fighting me to have fun with it because the things that I liked were all of the non interactive things. Gotcha. I guess. Um, Interesting. So yeah, I like Pentiment, but I don't like the video game Pentiment. And I'll get into some more details on that later, but, but you mentioning the, the speech bubbles, I was felt like that was, a good place to call that out because I literally the first play session, I think I, I turned that off. It was like, I'm not dealing with this. And and it just, you can have it give you instant text and in way more readable fonts. Those are both accessibility options. And I turned mm-hmm. both of them on pretty quick. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. I, I did make a note of that to talk about it later, but the, um, the way that they have like this, this style that they have throughout like the art style and, and the dialogue and stuff is is really cool but it is also cool that they were like hey this is not going to be for everyone or like it cannot it's not possible for everybody to experience it with this stuff so we're going to let you turn it off if you don't want it or can't handle it so that's cool. the the first time i got to some of the really fancy script i think is when i looked for that option (laughs) because i'm like it has taken me longer to read this dialogue because i have to figure out how to read like old english type right is that a g yeah, yeah, right there. It was, I was like, no, this is too much. Cool. So uh, let's listen to a little bit of music. And when we come back, we're going to set up the story for everybody. <laughs> 
So in Pentiment, this takes place in the year 1518 in the town of Tossing, which is in Bavaria, uh, now Germany. Bavaria is still in Germany, but back then it was not Germany. Uh, you play as a young artist named Andreas Mailer, who is an apprentice, kind of scribe slash artist, um, working in the scriptorium at Kirsau Abbey, which is in town in Tossing. And at the beginning of the game, you get to pick uh, some background traits for Andreas, kind of a little light RPG stuff. These will kind of give you background and open up dialogue options or very, very light puzzle solving where maybe you'll come across some Latin script. And if you pick, if you picked a background where Andreas learned Latin, you can read it. And if you didn't, I assume you can't read it and you have to find something else. You will often have uh, it come up where your character will be like, I can't read. I think Latin, I don't remember which language it was, but what I had come up was, I can't read this. So then it becomes like a subquest of finding somebody who's right. willing to assist you with deciphering it. Yeah. It will also give you uh, personality traits for Andreas. So in conversation, you'll have lots of different ways for how you want to respond to people. Um, so I had uh, Andreas kind of come up in Basel, which means that he spoke some, um, he spoke German, of course, but he also spoke uh, some Italian, I want to say, something like that. Uh, and he had a hedonistic background. So he was all about the social vice life of uh, the artist. And he knew a little bit about medicine, and he loved studying um, the stars and stuff like that. So all of these give you like different conversation options, dialogue options, um, I'm not sure. I, I don't think that this really matters in the grand scheme of things. So like advice to people starting out, I think would just pick something that you think will be fun or sometimes useful. Don't stress too hard about this. Yeah, I, I think that that's fair. Um, my Andreas was also a hedonist. Uh, he came up uh, spending time in Italy, though, um, and also studied medicine. We had that in common. It, it doesn't mm. change too much. And, and honestly, most i my advice for people starting this up would be remember that this is the 16th century version of these things <laughs> so right. being a 16th century hedonist didn't mean that andreas was like a fun flirt it meant that he was like kind of grossly misogynistic sometimes uh -huh. and <laughs> studying medicine didn't mean that he knew about any modern medicine it meant that you could talk about the humors to people and i was like oh right. man that's that's not quite what i had in mind when i picked that <laughs> option yeah uh it, it is it is interesting like how i mean this is a, a point that i think is really good about um the construction of the game and the story and the world and everything is they went they went full in on this setting um, yeah. and they they did obviously so much research um before you know, putting these things in the game, everything. I mean, I'm obviously I'm not a scholar of 16th century Europe, but uh, it seems to me um, <laughs> that they did a really good job of making everything fit with this 16th century setting. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. And that's when I realized what the hedonist option actually was. I was like, OK, like, I understand where this comes from. Like mm -hmm. he, hedonist Andreas just hangs out at brothels a lot. That's essentially what hedonist means. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, oh, that's that's not quite what I had in mind when I picked that. But it is right. appropriate, I suppose. Yeah. Um, part of uh, on that setting, I, I guess, like another thing I liked about it is that a lot of the characters that you meet are characters that would be in this town. So like they're working class, a lot of them are peasants that you're talking to. And then you talk to people in the church, 
Uh, you talk to the occasional noble throughout the game, but you're in this like peasant town. So most of the people you talk with are peasants. Um, and it's dealing with a lot of their like historical plight uh, under the rule of the lords and under the rule of the church and how women are second-class citizens, basically. And I think that they represented that in a realistic enough way to to work for me. Yeah. Like, I don't know if you go back and like dig into the history, if you're going to be like, oh, this is totally inaccurate. I'm not going to. So for me, as a player of this game, I thought this was great. Uh, everything I've heard is that it is very accurate from, good, from good, people good. smaller than I or sm- smarter <laughs> than I and probably smaller. They might be short guys <laughs> who are scholarly um, right. <laughs> uh, that. Uh, yeah, it, it sounds like they did a really good job with it. If you are a total nerd for it, that waypoint episode where they interview the guy is is like I listened to that before I played the game and was like, wow, this sounds cool. And mm-hmm. like, I don't want to play it. And <laughs> <laughs> so I never picked it up. But uh, that the just the the commitment the commitment to the bit, I suppose, of like, we're going to make this historically accurate game is very, yeah. very cool. Yeah. Um, Josh Sawyer is the guy who uh, was behind it, I think. Yeah. Yeah, Josh Sawyer. But I, I, if I remember right, it wasn't Josh Sawyer that they realized they had a history professor in common with. Because I think Josh Sawyer was the head of making the game. And then it right. was the head consultant for oh, okay. all the history gotcha. stuff. Historical um, consultant. Yeah. Yeah. I, it, I, but in any case, like, this is clearly a passion project by people who are like, absolute nerds for yeah, this history era nerds. of history 100 yeah. percent. yeah and and that you know just to be clear if anyone doesn't realize this right off the bat that means you're dealing a lot with christianity like there's yeah. this this you're hanging out in a christian town dealing with the question of christianity for a lot right. of this game yeah uh so andreas works in this abbey in mm-hmm. town that's how he's supporting himself while he's working on his masterpiece uh his art um, and at the Abbey, uh, one day there's this, this noble that shows up, Baron Lawrence Rothvogel, uh, who's a longtime patron of the Abbey, um, comes into the scriptorium. He has a commission. He comes to check on it and he's not satisfied with how it's going. He thinks it's going too slow. He thinks it's too out of touch. Um, and it's being done by Andreas's mentor. This older brother, Piero is his name. And the uh, the Baron requests that the work be completed by Andreas instead. He likes Andreas's style more. Uh, and the next day, this sets up the murder mystery. Rothvogel is found dead, and brother Piero is accused of the murder. Uh, so the game begins kind of with this kind of welcome to the village, and then intro to the Abbey, and then suddenly this guy's dead, and everyone's like, "We're going to kill brother Piero. He did this," and Andreas <laughs> thinks he's innocent. And that's your kind of inciting thing is you need to figure out who actually did this. Yeah, no one asks Andreas to take up the charge here. It is it is specifically because Piero's your friend and you don't think right. he could have done it. So it is a uh, a, a quest of protecting a friend and getting right. to the truth. It, it's kind of like Andreas is like, there's no way Piero could have done it. And they're like, well, if you find who did it, that's you can tell us. If you don't, we're going to kill him. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, so... The the murder mystery part of it, um, I thought was pretty interesting, and I'm not going to say how it happens, but one thing I do want to point out about this murder mystery and then other things that happen in this game is that this we did say that this is like a choose-your-own-adventure story. So there's lots of different options for who you can say committed the murder, mm-hmm. and one thing that kind of caught me is that your 
actions have consequences in this game. And if you make a hasty or uneducated or uh, just kind of flippant decision, it can really come back to bite you in Mm -hmm. big ways. And I thought that was great. Yeah, I to to give to give a non-specific example of this. Yeah, uh, there was a time where, for reasons, I wanted to dig a hole, but uh, <laughs> I had three options on what to do. I couldn't just dig the hole myself, which right. I was like, "Come on, Andreas, just dig a hole." My three He's options an artist. were: He's not digging holes. <laughs> yeah, right. Was that I could go ask someone who could potentially give me permission to let me dig the hole. I could go ask one person to help or go ask another person to help. And I didn't know who the first person it said I could ask to help was. And so I was like, this was just Andreas thinking to himself. And so I was like, I'm going to pick that option because I don't know who that guy is. What I didn't realize is that locked me into that track. And Mm -hmm. like, I went and asked that guy if he'd help me. And he was like, "Mm, I don't know, permission. (laughs) So then I asked for permission. And then that was done. Like, because I didn't get the permission. And just suddenly that track was done. And I never got to dig that hole. I wanted to dig the hole, but I couldn't. I got locked out of the hole. Man, hate being locked out of (laughs) digging a hole. Got to dig that hole. (laughs) And it it continues with like big decisions, like I said, with, you know, pinning a murder on somebody or uh, small stuff too. who you choose to help, uh, who you choose to try to get help from. Even in conversation, occasionally, like whether you respond snarky or kind to something can come up again later and influence what happens next. Right. So there is role playing in how you talk to people and like your background. Some of those like hedonistic answers that Andreas could give uh, would are like really inappropriate. And if you're talking to the wrong person, they'll be like, yo, what the fuck? Like, I don't want to <laughs> talk to you anymore. Please stop. Um, and then later, maybe you need something from that person. They'll be like, nah, I don't like you. Like, I don't like yeah. what you did or I don't like how you are. So no, get out of my house. And I, I like those repercussions. Yeah, I the, the only thing I dislike about it, the only problem I have with that concept is that it does the this will be remembered thing. It does. But yeah. it doesn't do it for like <laughs> everything that it, it seems like there were things where it didn't say this will be remembered that did end up impacting choices. And some of it's mm-hmm. like like the digging the hole example. I wasn't talking to anybody, so there was nobody to say this will be remembered. So maybe that's why that didn't come up. But I almost wish that it just didn't ever say that this will be remembered and the game just told you to assume that whatever you say will be remembered because that actually seems to be more accurate to me. Yeah, man, I I don't like these. I'm getting tired of these. This will be remembered pop-ups on the screen because all it does is make me second guess what I I would rather get to uh, like a climax or like a decision later and then be like, no, actually, you said this earlier in the game. You really pissed me off. So I'm not helping you. Yep. And, and yeah, having the, this will be remembered. It it almost took me out of the, the moment when that popped up, like suddenly it became a game again, instead of just Mm -hmm. having the conversation with the character. So I I wish that that wasn't there. Um, which I mean, it's not, it's not the biggest thing in the world, but every time it popped up, it was a little like, uh, you know what? Just have the other character say, I won't forget this, Andreas. And then, Uh then you accomplish that without like breaking the narrative or making me feel like, did I make a mechanical? Yeah. Cause it, it also doesn't tell you you're making a mechanical choice. If it like went like, ooh, here's a big choice. This is good. Your decision here will be remembered. That'd be one mm-hmm. thing. But for it to just pop up after I've already made a choice, I'm like, oh, well, okay, I guess. Yeah. Have the character say something. You better think about this next time you come and ask me to dig a hole, Andreas. 
Exactly. Exactly. Um, kind of along those lines too, you have, um, like dialogue checks. They're, they're kind of interesting how you'll go through like maybe several conversations or like throughout one of the acts of the game, you will have many conversations with one character and depending on how you talk to them and how you decide to deal with them. Specifically, I think on the, this will be remembered. It might be those. Yeah. I think it's specifically those. Yeah. And it kind of tallies up points, whether you did, whether you said the right thing or the wrong thing. And then later when you get to that inflection point, it will actually show you your tallies and then it will do a skill check. So it will be like, you know, you said five good things and two bad things. Now we're going to roll the dice to see if they're going to help you. And I got to tell you, I never succeeded in one of these throughout the entire game. I did, but I, I'm now second guessing. I, my, my impression was not that there was a roll of a, of the dice, that it was just telling you like, yes or no, based on what you did. No, cause I lost, I lost some where I had more good things than bad things. Oh, so interesting. It's yeah, definitely I hated not that system. 100% um, thing. I, I exact same, exact same reason. I didn't like that. This will be remembered. I, because it actually tells you knowing if it is a skill check, it makes sense that it shows it to you before their response in the conversation. But I thought it was just telling you what you did to get to that point. And then, mm-hmm. and then you get their response. I, yeah, I just, I didn't, I didn't need that in there again. I think the character could have said, you know, something to indicate what the mechanics were of that. I didn't need to actually see the mechanics, I feel like. I don't know. And especially because, like, there were a couple where it was like, I said six good things and one bad thing, and I still (laughs) lost. I still failed. So I was like, why are you, why show this to me? Like, now it feels like, it feels like the person I'm talking to is making a decision that goes against everything that would have should have happened. I really like you, but I stubbed my toe on the way in here. So I'm not going to help you out with this. Exactly. Yeah. Thank you for doing all my chores and being super nice to me. Uh, You were perfect. You're on your best behavior, but no. And I was like, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. But um, yeah. Uh, Any other thoughts about the story uh, of Pentiment? Yeah. I I was just going to say again, without getting into spoilers, there is a lot of depth to the story Mm -hmm. that, um, looks at the, it looks at history and growth and legacy and religion and politics. Like it goes in a lot of places that I was really impressed with. That that was my favorite thing about this game, which it basically, the game is a story and the story is my favorite thing about it. So that's Mm -hmm. points in its favor, I guess. Um, it doesn't, I, I, I'm not super sensitive, but I know a lot of people are sensitive to, uh, like trigger warning type things. And this game, if it had a content warning, it would be just about every like warning you could give. Like if there, if you are sensitive to like child mortality or violence or abuse or suicide, like just about every possible thing can come up in the course of this game. It's not going to necessarily, but you know, Mm -hmm. you're, you're dealing with 16th century, like, it's not great living conditions. People are in a rough place. Like a lot of like unpleasant stuff happens. So that is potentially something to be aware of. Yeah. Uh, if, if you're, if you were sensitive to those kinds of things. Yeah. They, uh, they really didn't pull many punches, uh, in that, in that regard. And again, like all serving this like historical realism that yeah. these, these peasants, they have a really shitty life and they, if they get sick, they don't get cured. They just 
get sick and die or yeah. uh, the, if the church decides that the town is going to starve because they can't afford their taxes, well, they're going to starve then because that's how it worked. And um, they they get into a lot of these subjects and I, I really like how like part of it is Andreas is an outsider in this town. He's not from this town. He's just there for the the meantime. Um, and I like how his perspective as an outsider, like you, it's kind of your perspective playing the game. You see all sides of it. Uh, should you choose to talk to everybody and get their sides? Um, and then it's kind of odd sometimes why Andreas is the one making the decisions at the end of the day. But I did like his perspective, like giving you all sides of, of everything. Cause like the, the church is obviously oppressive because that's how churches have and continue to be in some places. Um, but when you go talk to the people in the church, they're not just like, yeah, fuck them. Not all of them. So yeah. they, they have reasons for being the way that they are too. And I, yeah, they, they aren't like, yeah, it's, it's not like the church is like reveling in their power necessarily. Like they're people. And I, I feel like, the characters are typically like really well-rounded characters and mm-hmm. and when those things come up that i discuss none of it's like brought up really for shock value or anything it's just yeah matter of fact like right way of life of, yeah part of life yeah mm-hmm. um you're making me like this game more like that's the thing <laughs> i like this game in theory so much it's just the actual act of playing i guess one more thing i haven't talked about here that that's in the gameplay aspect more than spoilers or anything is is the town itself like as Andreas, you walk around the town and it's mm-hmm. broken up into, I don't know, a dozen like patches of area that you will see pretty regularly. Think like Link's yeah. Awakening on the Game Boy Color. Like, like you get to the edge of an area and there's a transition to the next area. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I don't like running around the town because you don't have freedom of movement. You can only walk on paths. And so like if there's a fork in the path, you have to kind of hold the analog stick in one direction to go that way on the fork as you get to it. Mm. On a computer, this is better because you're just playing it like a point and click. You click right. the part of the road you want to go to. But playing with the controller, it like it, it it's totally functional. But I feel like this is like an open world game where there's no there's nothing in the open world like all you are doing is running from point a to point b which is where i say that this feels like a game a book that happens to be a game because Mm -hmm. if at any given point instead of walking out of the church and walking through the courtyard and then walking through the meadow to get to town if the game just gave me a button that said town i don't think i would have lost a lot from the experience you wouldn't get quite the same familiar with town but even if it didn't fast travel if i could click town and then watch andreas walk there i would have liked it more but i felt like i spent a lot of the game just holding the stick left or right to get to the next place i needed to go you you do a ton of shuttle runs between the village and the church which involves yep. like four or five map screens and each time it does a screen it doesn't just like fade out and fade back in it like turns the image into a picture in a book and zooms out so you can see the page of the book and then turns the page and then zooms back in. And this Mm -hmm. is all, I mean, it's maybe like maybe a second of transition, but when you're literally like I'm at point a and I need to get to point B and I'm not doing anything in between those points, except seeing four of those transition pages, Mm -hmm. just like with the, the, uh, the handwriting that I talked about earlier, it just, that wore on me pretty quickly in the game. Yeah, I can see that. Um, Like every time you do get into these things, like that drive me crazy in games where it's like 
you start in the village and it says, go to the church. And then you go to the church and they tell you to go to the village. So then Mm -hmm. you go to the village and you do that. And Andreas is like, better go back to the church. And then you're going just shuttle running back and forth. So that did start to wear on me. It's just, it's just a, a result of how it's laid out, I guess. It also has a map, but the map mm-hmm. is bad because <laughs> it's just, it's a little bit hard to read, but it doesn't tell you where people are. And that's yeah. the one thing that I wish this game had is it has like Andreas has a journal. And so the map is in the journal and like your quest trackers, such as it has are in the journal. And there's a page mm-hmm. that has pictures of all the people in town. I wish I could click on someone's name and have it show me on the map where they were because like most people you kind of know where they're going to be again this is 16th century the farmer he's probably at his farm like that's probably where he's going to be but they couldn't they don't have anywhere to go (laughs) even if they could go somewhere else right (laughs) but it would be nice to have that especially sometimes in the church like navigating or not the church the abbey navigating around the abbey like the abbey is a complex place with a lot of different rooms that connect in interesting ways and Mm -hmm. sometimes i would have to run through the whole thing looking for someone which Again, I guess you could argue that that fits in with the historical setting. Like if Andreas wants to find somebody, he's got to go find them. But there were times where I'm like, I just wish I knew where this person was. Yeah, I definitely feel those things or I felt those things when playing. Um, I just think that I was not quite as annoyed by it as you were, which is which is fine. It is it is a game where like if you have to go across the map or you have to find somebody, you're going to spend a lot of you're going to spend enough time doing that that you're going to think about it. You're going to think yeah. like, okay, back to the church again, or where the fuck is this uh, this monk? I don't know where he's at. Yeah, what do I do? It, it again, it didn't ruin for it for me, but it was it's one of the things that goes into me saying I like this as everything except a video game because of yeah. the video game part of this is running around the town. I if you gave me a version of this that just excised all that and was menu based. I, I I played Citizen Sleeper right at the end of last year, and Citizen Sleeper is very similar in a lot of ways and very different in a lot of ways. But one of the ways that it's very different is that it's it is menu based basically. Like everywhere you can go mm-hmm. in that game, you just pick it from a menu more or less. Like there's not walking around, there's not traversal. Um, right. And when I'm into a game for the story, that is kind of a nice thing. Um, in this game, it just you know doesn't have fast travel. It doesn't have map markers to show you where to go. You just you gotta figure it out. Mm-hmm. You know, on the subject, you just got me thinking on the subject of point and click adventure games and like gamey aspects. I'm glad that there were no inventory puzzles mm-hmm. in this game, uh, which is something that I've only played a couple of point and click, you know, uh, monkey Island type games. And I really don't like those inventory puzzles. I'm glad this game doesn't have those, but by not having those, it is 100% either walking from place to place or talking to somebody. There's yep. nothing else as far as gameplay. Yep. That that is the gameplay. <laughs> and I like I like the talking to people parts, the walking place to place. I just I could have done without. <laughs> yeah. The writing is really good. Um I don't think we mentioned that yet. I thought the writing was excellent and uh we have a couple more things when we talk about, you know, the the visual style of the game um soon. But just to point that out right now, like like you said, you are talking to people and I liked talking to people. And I found myself talking to non-plot relevant people often in the game because I just wanted to hear what they had to say. They all feel like real people. And if there was a new development in the story, I would often like have an idea of how I thought they would react because I feel like I know them. Uh, but I did want to go talk to them and see what they thought. 
Yeah, I agree. And and so when you say non-plot relevant, the game kind of suggests to you where you might start as you're investigating, like mm-hmm. this person might be a good person to talk to. And I definitely talked to a lot of people other than who was suggested. And I don't know that mechanically that ever made a difference, but I felt like mm. it helped me with figuring out what direction I wanted to go um, in terms of investigating. So even if it like wasn't directly mechanically relevant, it still felt relevant. Um, and it is, I mean, the, the writing is just really good. Like the characters are really well developed and the overall writing of the whole story is really good too. But this is a game made up of dialogue and the dialogue is good. And I think they do a, a really nice job of having different characters feel like distinct characters. Like this is a yeah. small town. There's a couple characters you get to know really well and, and they do a good job of uh, personifying them. Yeah, hundred percent. So let's uh, listen to a little bit of music. When we come back, we've, we've touched on this. We've nibbled at it. Let's talk about the art style. Let's talk about the music. Victime pascali laudes, immolent Christiani, agnos redemit oves, Christus innocens patri. Reconciliavit peccatores. Moset vita duello. Both of us said in our kind of beginning part of the episode that the art style is something that drew us to this game automatically. Um, and so the um, the art is done to look like medieval prints and manuscripts and woodcut art and stuff like that. If you've ever been to a, an art museum and you've seen, you know, art from this period uh, in Europe, th- they've they've done a meticulous job of recreating it here. And I want to shout out the primary credited artist named Hannah Kennedy. This is fucking awesome. And like, never got sick of this throughout the whole thing. It's super stylized, but never hard to read. I never yep. had trouble like knowing, you know, seeing a person uh, compared to background or something that I could interact with because they put little diamond icons on the stuff that you can touch. Uh, so this is like 100% win as far as I'm concerned. Uh, absolutely agreed. Um, even down to the animals look terrible, but they look terrible <laughs> in a uh, contextually appropriate way because they yes. look like medieval drawings of animals. Yes. Um, <laughs> and boy, let me tell you, a, a medieval boar was a scary looking creature. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I, I loved it. One thing, uh, another accessibility feature that I actually enabled pretty early on is they have a big head mode, um, which mm. I turned on, which literally just like find everything with a head in the file name and expands it to the point that at one point I saw a boar in the woods and boy, that boar had a big head and it was, <laughs> it was a little startling. Um, but I really liked having that on because there's really nice like expressions in the characters and, mm-hmm. um, enabling the big head mode made those stand out a little bit more. Um, it did weirdly turn off sometimes for individual characters in a scene. So sometimes like one character in a scene would have a normal sized head and everyone oh. else had a big <laughs> head, which was weird. Um, but I really liked how that accentuated the uh, facial animation because I mean, on, on top of this looking like it's straight out of a medieval print, the animation is really nice. I think mm-hmm. for the most part, the way that characters move kind of looks like somebody made like a, uh, a paper doll out of yeah. a manuscript. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's really good and detailed animations in the faces. So again, going back to the, the idea of how characters respond in conversation, I got a lot out of seeing people's faces when mm-hmm. they responded to what I said, along with 
the words they said or the game literally telling me that they would remember something. Yeah. Um, other animations that stood out were just the animations of people doing their job around town. Uh, mm-hmm. Those are cool just to watch them kind of work as you're running from place to place. You'll see someone <laughs> out in the fields working and stuff. It all looks great. Uh, yeah. One nice touch that I thought was really like well observed is uh, old characters are kind of worn. Their art, like their paint has kind of started to wear off. And I thought this was really great. Like, you know, if we're presenting this, cause it's presented, like you said, as if this whole thing is taking place inside of a book. Uh-huh. So the characters who are older, they're more worn down and, you know, you can tell. And I just thought that was like a, a cool, small little touch. It's, it's great. I love how this game looks like that. That is one thing that, again, moving around the town, I didn't like, but the way that the town looks is so good. Mm-hmm. I, I, yeah, I just don't have enough to say. I, I, for the most part, you're seeing a lot of uh, similar animations, um, but there there's kind of set pieces that happen throughout where, you know, more interesting things happen where people might have costumes or things like that. And again, like the details in those are just as cool. So anytime oh, there was yeah. uh, something that that is, a, a, I mean, an action set piece or <laughs> however you want to phrase it in a game that's all about text. Even mm-hmm. those like looked really, really good. Yeah. Kind of along those lines too. There's a lot of scenes where you eat meals with people oh, yeah. in the game. Um, like mealtime is very important and who you choose to spend your mealtime with uh, is a choice of like, number one, who do I want to talk to and learn more about, but also uh, who might give me information that's helpful and who do I want to show uh, friendship and loyalty towards by eating with them. Uh, Cause it's a big deal. And along the lines of the art style, the food looks delicious within it this does. style. Yeah. It's really good. Uh, my kiddo was sitting with me for part of when I was playing this and I got to a food scene and he was like super excited about uh, <laughs> some sort of pie that was on the table. And he's like, right. eat the pie, eat the pie. The pie was not one of the things I could click on to eat. He was very oh, upset. No. Oh yeah. no. <laughs> <laughs> you're going to eat your mush and you're going to like it. Yeah. We, we had, we had some, uh, some fish stew and a fish pie, I believe on the same mm-hmm. plate. And I was like, that's, I'm glad I didn't grow up in 1518 <laughs> Bavaria. <laughs> Protein, vegetable, carb. Protein, vegetable, carb, people. <laughs> the uh, We talked about the fonts before, but I, I want to highlight those again um, because they're different depending on who you talk with. Uh, the peasants have their own font. The church people have their own font. The nobles have their own font uh, or kind of denoting social status as well. And I left the fonts on the entire time. I thought they were cool. And even if I had to squint to read the the font that like the scholars would use, I, I still, I thought it was great. Um, again, you can turn them off as soon as you want to, or uh, if you need to, if you find them hard to read, you can turn them off. I thought these were fun. And um, as Troy said at the beginning of the episode, the dialogue is written into speech bubbles. You can hear the scratch of a pen as the speech is going up on the uh, the bubbles. This was a little bit more annoying, like listening to the scratch. Cause again, all you're doing in the game is talking to people. So it's the whole game, but I left it on. Cause I just like the style, like the stylistic choice enough, um, that side of me won. uh, and those, um, all of those things. And like this presentation where it's, it's being written in a book, I thought was just a really cool stylistic choice beyond just we're going to make this in the art style of the time 
now we're going to make us, we're filling in this book of like the history of this town and of this character. And that kind of just, just gave a little bit extra, you know? Yeah. I, I like the concept of it. Like I said, it, it didn't, it ended up being something I turned off, but I really like the concept of it. Mm-hmm. And even the sound effects actually vary. So like you're talking about the pen scratch, that'll sound a yeah. little bit different for different characters. And then there's uh, a um, a printer in town who actually does like block printing. And mm-hmm. the sound of that is like kunk, kunk, as opposed <laughs> to a pen scratch. Um, there, there's very cool stuff with that. And that obviously gets into the rest of the sound design. Yeah. Th- this game sounds beautiful. Yeah. From what I gather, they actually hired a team in uh, Europe to go out and record ambient sounds. I question that because I've seen some controversy about a bird sound in the woods that sounds like a whippoorwill, which is a mm-hmm. bird that does not exist in Europe. So there, there's there's some some hot goss going around right now about Ooh. whether or not they actually have authentic period appropriate bird calls. Um, oh, that's true. They didn't. You know, they didn't go back great. to the 16th century to record these sounds either. So. <laughs> Bad game. Don't recommend. I at one point was playing this uh, through Steam Link on my phone and then Steam Link disconnected and my computer just started playing the background noise and mm. <laughs> I didn't even notice for a while. And then I was like, why do I hear bird sounds? And I realized it's just <laughs> this very pleasant, like woodsy, a little bit of wind. Mm-hmm. Like, ah, it's just it sounds so good. Yeah, those uh, those sound effects were something that I I wanted to make a point to bring up. So I appreciate you bringing it up too, because you know the art style is there for you to look at, but you know you're talking to people and you're reading, and there would have been something missing if the sound effects happening in the background were not as good as they are. I think so. Like nature sounds, of course, but like when you're in town, you hear people working and you hear like wagon wheels creaking and you mm-hmm. hear animals. Um, noisy places, you know, farms and stuff like that. So this was great. One other thing uh, I thought was cool about the the writing in the speech bubbles. Sometimes the writer will make a typo and they will erase it and then fix it. And I thought that was great. It made me giggle like most times <laughs> that it happened. I thought it was cool. Maybe that gets turned off if you have the, like the yeah. instant text. Yeah. Don't do it with the instant text. Yeah. Um, um, I, I was just going to say the other thing I wanted to touch on is you hear murmuring in some of the, like when you're in town, you'll hear murmuring of voices, but mm-hmm. you don't ever actually hear, hear people talking. This doesn't have voice acting. It does right. have singing, though, a couple of times. Mm-hmm. And the singing is beautiful and it's in uh, authentic language. So I have no idea what anybody's singing about. But it did kind of make me wish, like, oh, what's the game? I can't think. Disco Elysium went in and added mm-hmm. vo- full voice acting a while afterwards. Yeah. If they ever add full voice acting to this game, I hope it is only in the appropriate language. I don't want English <laughs> voice acting in this game, but I would love to play this game with authentic voice acting because yeah, I I think that I every time singing happened, I was like, oh, that's so good. And I think that that would add a, a cool layer to it. That would be interesting or like at the very least give people german accents or something like that but yeah that would be cool uh i don't mind playing games in a native language and reading subtitles uh and you know you have the speech bubbles anyway so let them talk that's cool along the lines of music uh the music in this game was done by alchemy early music ensemble um it's all again era appropriate i'm not a music scholar but sounds like they're using era appropriate instruments and things like that too uh, really enjoyable for the background, 
big moments in the story, places that need music. It's all um, just, it's, it's a pleasure visually and uh, music and sound design. It's like just wraps up like the total package as far as presentation goes, I think. Yeah, absolutely. I, I agree. I feel so conflicted because I feel like I didn't like this game, but I like I like everything about this game. Well, yeah, except playing it. <laughs> so a good time to get into some like final thoughts here, because um, I think that like if you if you like you said at the beginning, you liked everything about it except for playing it. Now you're not playing it. You're here talking about it and talking about, you know, we talked about the gameplay and stuff, but now we're talking about all these other wonderful things about it. And I enjoyed playing it, but it was like mostly that the story was so good and talking to the characters was so great. And all of the the visuals and the sounds and everything was like this wonderful presentation package that like, I, I really like enjoyed my time with it. Even if sometimes I was like, man, I was just at the church. Now I have to yep. go back to the church, <laughs> you know? So the gameplay wasn't as big a deal for me, but like pretty much everything else, except there are a couple of things that happen in the story in this choose your own adventure mold that I didn't love that I didn't think made a whole lot of sense. We'll talk about those soon. Other than that, like big win here. And so I always ask people at the end of the non-spoiler part, who would you recommend this game to? So for me, I would say like, if, if you're the type of person who, who enjoys or can tolerate a game where all you're doing is reading, then play this because it's it's really good, I think. If you are someone who needs engaging gameplay and you're not down for a visual novel or a choose-your-own-adventure, then like probably don't play this because you're just not going to get the type of game that you need. So, but like that's it. If if you can get down with what this game is, what the elevator pitch is, then play it. It's it's really good. I really enjoyed my time. So, Troy, how about you? Who would you recommend this game to? I, I agree with what you said there. And then I would add on the stipulation of mystery fans. Like if you like, oh, yeah. if you like a mystery, that's what this game is. It, it feels like reading a mystery novel, except you get it when, when you think the detective is being an idiot by not talking to a certain person, you get to go talk to that person. <laughs> um, I, I have actually already recommended this game to my brother before I even played it because my brother is the kind of person who would be very excited about the history aspects of this. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm going to recommend it to him again. And the, the, uh, the kind of follow up that I have on that aspect of it is that I think you can recommend this to people who aren't video game people. Um, yeah. especially if you're recommending the PC version of this because it is literally just moving your mouse and click somewhere to walk. And then when you get dialogue options, you just click on the one that you like. Um, And, and that aspect works really well. The console version, I would have a harder time recommending to someone because it's just, it doesn't feel very good to play in, in that form factor to me. I can see that. It's, it's fine. It's not bad. It's just, like I said, I, 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 I would love a stat on how, much of this game was spent with me just either holding the analog stick left or right, because yep. <laughs> all of those times you have to run back and forth. That's literally what you're doing with the controller. Um, I, I, I wonder if it would be, if it's like, I'm not saying that it's like that you ignored this, but usually games like this, you know, uh, the, the CRPGs, the divinity, original sin and Baldur's gate, when they do their, their console ports, they usually have a button to like detach the cursor 
and then you can move the cursor with your stick and click where you want to go. Not in this not, game. Not that I saw. I know, I know what like you're they should add to that if that, it's not. Yeah, I don't think so. Yeah. Um, although I, I hate moving a cursor with a joystick. So that wouldn't, <laughs> that wouldn't have helped me personally out too much. Okay. Fair enough. Um, but yeah, I, I think this is just a very, very cool story. I mean, that's the thing is, is I, it, who I would recommend this to is less important than what I would recommend this for is for the story. I would not right. recommend it as a cool game to play. I'd recommend it as a cool story to experience. Right. Yeah. And uh, another kind of group of people that I think would dig this is people who people who like it when games use unfamiliar and cool settings. Because mm-hmm. um, I, I really like that. I, I like when games are not set in Japan or not set <laughs> in New York city, uh, basically. So like, I love the witchers set in Eastern Europe mythology. Um, and I, I like, you know, I haven't played the Metro games, but I'm really interested in a game set in Russia. That sounds cool to me. And this one, no other game I've ever played set in 16th century Bavaria. So yep. if you dig that, and if you dig the history side of things, play Pentiment. Yeah. So Little housekeeping here before we get into spoilers. Uh, Troy, other than checking down in the show notes uh, for links to the podcast and to geek to geek is there anything else out there, any other place that people should look for you? Um, yeah, I'm still active on Twitter. Um, I left it for a while and I'm back. Can't get mm-hmm. away. Um, right. So I'm <laughs> at Troidal Power on there. TroidalPower.com has links to a bunch of my stuff. Um, I do a Star Trek podcast. I'm involved with I'm involved with several different podcasts. So trotopower.com has links for all that stuff, which just mm-hmm. find me on Twitter. Cause that's, that's currently where I yell into the void. <laughs> okay. Awesome. So again, uh, a recommendation for people to check out the written reviews, if that's your jam. And if you want to listen to the stream of consciousness, while the thoughts are being formulated for those reviews, you can check out the power playthroughs podcast. Um, for tales from the backlog. Uh, I already mentioned the Patreon, but if you want to take part in future votes, you can join up at the $2 level or higher if you're so inclined. Um, other ways to support, though, if Patreon's not your jam, you can uh, join the Discord server, join a bunch of cool people talking about the game. I hope that this week we're going to have people in there talking about how their game of Pentiment went, because um, there are different results for things that can happen. So I would love mm-hmm. to have people talking about that. Otherwise, same podcast stuff. Uh, ratings and reviews are super helpful for indie podcasts troy knows that all too well i'm sure and uh yeah my other show a top three podcast where we do top three lists or draft episodes fun stuff like that so troy and i are going to take a break and when we come back it is full spoiler time for pentiment Okay, it is spoiler time for Pentiment. I'm back with Troy, and we're going to run through the story of Pentiment in chronological order. So um, I'm not going to promise we're not going to spoil something that happens later. So if you have not played Pentiment yet, you're warned we're going to spoil stuff. So starting out with that investigation at the beginning of the game. And uh, before we do that, Troy, I just want to say that I thought that this murder mystery at the beginning of the murdered Baron was going to be the whole game. 
I didn't know that there was going to oh. be a bunch of other shit afterwards. Did, oh, did you have that thought too? I did. I so I knew that there was a time jump, and I knew that there were three okay. cases. Okay. Um, obviously, I I I did not know what the nature of the three cases were going to be, right. um, or the three acts, whatever. In any case, I so but yeah, I I knew that it was not the full game. Okay. So. The the things to mention in the first case, I guess, are number one, you you start finding these mysterious notes, and that begins like the through line for like the greater plot mm-hmm. as you go along. And I thought it was weird during the first case that I didn't get any closure on those, but then they started showing up in Act Two, and I was like, oh, okay, this is a this continuing yeah. thing. So tell me, how did your investigation go with the the murder of the Baron? Um. Well. See, you're you're asking me sitting here knowing I'm staring at your notes, and I'm so mad at you. But we'll get to that. Um, <laughs> I followed this this down on his luck guy named Lucky, uh, and he had he ooh, he snuck off to a grave, and his wife and child were buried there. It sounded like, mm-hmm. and I was like, this poor guy. Even if he was guilty, I can't imagine what kind of a person would put poor Lucky to death because like he's a bit of a curmudgeon, but but he's tragic and sad and he just wants to do his job. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> so uh, I, I the other two leads that I followed on this was one uh, was about a nun um, getting impregnated by the Baron when mm-hmm. uh, he had visited before. And then one was about uh, Brother Fernick, Fernick. Um, yeah. who, uh, it turns out had been, um, uh, studying the occult, not necessarily practicing it, but the mm-hmm. Baron knew he was studying the occult and was trying to blackmail him into getting rid of his syphilis herpes. I'm not sure what the <laughs> French disease is, but he had some sort of an STD right. and he, he was trying to blackmail this, this brother into helping him take care of it. And I ended up deciding that that was who was guilty because, it seemed very, very likely. And also this guy was doing something like super wrong in like studying the occult while being at the Abbey. So even if he wasn't the killer, he at least was guilty of something. Unlike Lucky, who was just a sad, innocent man. Mm-hmm. How did your investigation go? Well, I'm glad you asked because... <laughs> Uh, I, I put lucky to the sword, the evidence that I found. So here's the thing they they give you, they, they, they set it up in such a way where they give you like five leads and enough time to follow two or three of them. Yep. So I did not get, so what I did was I spread myself out and I pursued step one of like all five leads. And then I got to decision time and I was like, fuck, I don't have anything solid on anybody. But what I did have was that someone had possibly lured lucky into the chapter house right so i was like okay lucky probably did it so i pinned it on him now the other part of my decision was that i thought they were gonna i thought this was gonna be like an ace attorney or something where they're like you don't have enough evidence we're not listening to you but they did and they killed lucky and i was like oh fuck like hold up can't we just talk this out a little bit? Like, so I pinned it on lucky, but it wasn't like, yeah, I hope lucky dies. Like he definitely did it. It was just like making a decision with incomplete information, which is, is something I think is cool. Uh, the way that Andreas would have had to make that decision too. Yeah. It, it's very cool. And, and so when I talked about wanting to dig something up earlier, I had suggestions that the murder weapon was buried in a grave in the cemetery. 
Mm. And I never got to dig that up. Neither did and I. So I don't know what that would have been, but I mean, I, I'm sure that the way this game is structured, there's not a right answer to these, which yeah. we'll talk about later, the thread polar. But basically, these notes you will find throughout the story because basically somebody's going, I just I'm trying to get something to happen here. And so I'm going to like put out leads to a few different places to try to make something happen. And the game never tells you necessarily who actually did it. So you can right. find reasonably conclusive evidence, I think, for several different people. Right. And that was one of the things that I, I came out of this first act really thinking about is like, was there a right answer to this? And then as you learn more and more about what's been happening behind the scenes, like you said, maybe you'll get, I don't know, like maybe I was thinking maybe you'll get 80% of the way along the evidence chain for somebody, but you'll never get that final conclusive. That's, that's my guess is that, is that you can, you can get, you can get 80% for like three different people Yeah, and there's not actually a hundred percent for anybody. Yeah. Um, you never went into the library in this section, did you? No, I couldn't get in because, um, so I discovered the secret passage to Uh get in. But then when I finally had like the thought of shit, I should go in the library. Like this is the time I have to go. It was like daytime and the sisters were in there. So I couldn't. Uh, So I never did. Okay. So are you ready for a revelation? Something, something about a character that I don't think, you know, okay. Hit me. Um, brother Matthew which mm-hmm. isn't spelled Matthew because these are 16th century Bavarian names, but I assume it's pronounced Matthew still. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you know about Brother Matthew's lover? I don't believe so. So while I was in the library, Brother Matthew and Brother Rudiger, the choir singer, Ooh. snuck into the library and had themselves a makeout sesh in the library stacks. <laughs> and I had an action scene where I had to run away from them without getting caught. <laughs> I, so I put in there that I, I snuck into the library, but there was a chase scene um, as I left. So, but it definitely wasn't that. So I'm not, sh- you, I don't You remember. got a chase scene as well? Or are you looking at my notes? Cause that's, I put that in oh, there those, somewhere. Those are your notes. Okay. Yeah, that is my notes. <laughs> I didn't want to put in there. I had a chase scene with the two brothers who were making out cause I wanted to surprise you with it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so um, I, I didn't see that. I never got to dig up the grave. I didn't get as far along that quest line. Like I got the, cause there was a note on the grave. So I was yeah. like, Oh, I should probably dig this up. But then I never got the opportunity to, nor did I hear that there would be a murder weapon. In oh, there. different, different graves, different, graves. Oh, different grave. Not, yeah, not the, the murder weapon grave is in the, the cemetery in the Abbey. Okay. Gotcha. But yeah, um, same thing. I'm like, man, there's two graves. Yeah. <laughs> the other thing that I, I didn't write down, but I did, make a point of is I talked to the old widow during this act one and I, she was the only person who I I completed her quest line and it was not very helpful for my investigation because it didn't seem like she did anything. She's just old and everyone hates her. Is that where you do all the chores for her? Yeah. Yeah. I did that too. And was like, all right, you're in a shitty situation, but I don't think you did it. So yeah. Yeah. But she, uh, she does say for a second, like she's like, like my life fucking sucks. Just, just tell them that I did it. They'll kill me and put me out of my misery. Whoa. She, she says something like that. And it was like, okay, lady, um, I did hear from someone else 
that if you take her word on that, she does not want to be killed and she will freak the fuck out if you oh, say it gosh. was her. So oh, no. Oh, I would have no. felt real bad, but I, I didn't. <sighs> I still felt bad because I pinned it on Lucky. And this was the, the first time when my decisions, no matter how uneducated they were, <laughs> came back with huge consequences. And I was like, oh, it's this kind of game. All right. Yeah. I see. Yeah, I I thought I had failed to convince the guy when I presented my evidence for Mm -hmm. uh, Brother Fernick, but then they picked him. I was sure because I didn't have the murder weapon that they were going to be like, well, too bad. We don't care what you think, but they they picked him, executed him right in the square. Yeah, so that's just one thing. Like, I, I saved this for the spoiler section. This is like one part of the story that I just can't suspend my disbelief for throughout the story, and it continues into Act Two. But the fact that Andreas is presenting this case and then like I presented a really half-assed case and they were like, yeah, okay, we'll kill Lucky instead. That's cool. As long as someone dies, that's fine. Maybe that's their takeaway. As long as someone dies, yeah. then justice is served. I think but that's this is, part this of This is it. part one of this yeah. critique. Yeah, I, I, I feel you on that. It, it does feel a little, I mean, the the barrister whatever i don't remember the the archbishop whatever the guy's name is who's in charge of the the you know investigation when he shows Mm -hmm. up has obviously talked to a whole bunch of other people so it's not just andreas's word but it is andreas is the only one saying who else he thinks it could be other people might have been being like i don't think it was brother pierre that just doesn't seem right but andreas Uh. (laughs) is the only one pinning it on anyone else yeah it it does at times and this is the first time, this is the smaller time. The second time is in act two and it's much bigger for me. feels like you're making the decision, not because Andreas would be the one to make the decision, but because uh, Andreas is the main character and the yeah. main character has got to make the decision. So yep. um, anything else about act one? Uh, the ending of it. Um, the end of it is, is you and Piero talking mm-hmm. in the graveyard and yeah, talking about like hey thanks for helping me out you get you get banished did you get banished yeah yeah okay the town the the townspeople were pissed yeah no no but see ah i got banished by by the uh the 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 father gruneau the the abbot oh interesting oh i was banished from the abbey because i put a brother on the execution block you killed the brother yeah yeah um maybe maybe banished is not what was happened um everyone was pissed so Andreas left, but I don't know if like they kicked him out of the town or if they were just like, fuck you, Andreas. And he was like, you know, I'm, I'm going back to Nuremberg. I'm yeah, I, yeah. I was kicked out of the town. Um, but I got to say goodbye to Piero Piero and the goodbye is you say goodbye to him and then you walk across the screen and I went, oh man, the time jump's going to be that he comes back and Piero's passed away. Cause Piero says something about like, I hope I see you again. And there mm-hmm. is just no transition. Just suddenly it's raining andreas is older and where piero was standing is a grave and i was not ready for the lack of a transition that like Mm. gut punched me hard so much so that i paused the game and went and told my wife about it because i'm like this game just (laughs) messed me up it just made me so sad so suddenly Mm -hmm. yeah so that happened to me too because i did have the the talk with piero and okay so i'm rereading my notes which i should have done already but now (laughs) rereading them um I found a note in my masterpiece and I don't know if you did too, because Andreas yes, finishes yes. his painting. Yep. He finds a note that tells him to never return. So then yeah. I guess it was like Andreas just took the advice and left 
Um, but I did get that scene where it picks back up in act two where Andreas is older and you're at Piero's grave and um, you have uh, his apprentice now. Andreas Casper. is a master and yeah, joined by apprentice Casper. So setting up act two, it's seven years later, Andreas is older. The Abbey's taxation and restrictions on the uh, citizens of the town have gotten a lot worse. Uh, they're not allowed to use the woods for like sustenance anymore. Um, everyone's having a real bad time. And there's about to be an uprising. Uh, one of the townspeople named Otto is trying to drum up support in town. Mm -hmm. So at the very beginning of the act, you get another note. It's in this, uh, like these notes are in this like beautiful, uh, script. It's with like this purple ink. They're very distinctive. The sound effect that plays when you see one is really creepy. Um, you know, they're bad news. Uh, they say we warned you in that note. So I was like, oh shit. Okay. Uh, so act two is all about setting up number one, setting up this conflict between the abbot and the townspeople and, uh, kind of filling in what happened with Andreas in the last seven years, uh, when he was gone. So, yeah, I, yeah. I didn't like Andreas very much in act one as a character, like, even though he's the character I'm playing as, because like I mm -hmm. said, the, the, um, the vice background, like <laughs> I just didn't like him. And then, yeah he's just so sad in this part and and you don't really know why until a little bit later in the chapter the story kind of unfolds but basically like he hates his wife he he was in an arranged marriage he does not mm -hmm. like being in the arranged marriage and you're just you think that's why basically he's been out traveling uh and doing commissions apparently just to stay away from home yeah and it feels like it's just because he doesn't like his wife. Right. So I actually wrote a note here that says Andreas is a shit husband, um, <laughs> which he is, uh, even with the added context that you get. He, he's basically ignoring his wife and just leaving her in uh, the heartbreak because uh, as you learn, he they had a son who died uh, very young. Mm -hmm. And um, this kind of combination of hating his married life, but also the loss of his child uh, really pushes him to just ignore that and leave it all behind and kind of regardless of how you feel about that choice, I think it's an interesting choice uh, for him as a character. Yeah. And the way that this comes about, just in, if you're listening to this and you haven't played the game, I guess you're just not going to play the game, but that's fine. The way yeah. this comes about is you're basically having a dream. And as Andreas kind of wanders around the dream, he sees his wife and has an interaction with her. And then he sees this kid and little backstory on Troy uh, my kid had a head injury when he was like a week old mm. and ended up in the hospital. He had a fractured skull. It was my fault. Uh, it's fine now. He has good. His head's a little wonky shaped, but other than that, he's fine. And it's on the back. So it was just a little, a little asymmetrical, but, mm -hmm. uh, I thought he, I, I, I thought my kid was going to die in that moment. Like it was, mm -hmm. it was, it was freaking scary. And I still like deal with, uh, ptsd from that yeah i had a doctor like a year and a half after it happened tell me you know what you're talking about is ptsd and i was like oh that's what that is cool <laughs> cool 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 uh so yeah. um surprise child death was not a fun moment for me in in this yeah. video game um yeah it was it was hard and uh like i said obviously my kid's fine he's great but uh the 
the revelation as soon as the kid showed up i don't think they've talked about it and you just see a portrait of a kid and i just immediately was like oh no like totally saw where it was going and was put the game down for a while because because it it really hit me hard yeah and the way that the way that it's portrayed in those scenes too because for a long time andreas is talking and uh his his son's name is august august August. august doesn't answer there's um no dialogue between them. It's just kind of Andreas like expressing all those feelings and things that he wants to say or wished he would have said all of those things. And it's just a blank. There's nothing coming back, uh, which, you know, can only imagine. Um, so those, those scenes were really good. And it takes place as you're going through a maze, uh, in his dreams. And this is half of his dream sequences. The other part is like this kind of mind palace that he has, uh, the very first scene of the game is him in there and he's like talking with a king and stuff like that. These are all historical figures. The king is is a religious historical figure. I don't know right. how much they're actually yeah. a historical figure. Um, uh, but yeah, they're kind of representatives of different ways of looking at the world, I suppose. Mm-hmm. And the way that that space changes. Yeah is wild because it's, it's, it's very a very cool. like pleasant space the first time you go there yeah it, it's cool the first time you go it's like they're having like philosophical discussions and they're talking about andreas's exploits when he's been abroad and you know his his brothels and stuff like that and his luck with the ladies and then in this part in act two it is dark and it's scary and it's depressing uh characters the characters that were once there have left and the ones that are still there are like this is fucked like this place is awful now so it's a cool like you get the backstory of what happened with him through these conversations with his wife and and child but you also see the way that this mind palace has been kind of warped and that's it's just kind of filling in the rest of that and then you get back into the real world and andreas is like just he's got Casper with him and he's just like, kind of like, yeah, I will care for Casper, but like, man, my life sucks. And he's like, I'm so rich and famous. Ugh. people keep giving me more money to do more art. Ugh. yeah. (laughs) Uh, which he does get suitably chewed out by like, if you try and like explain that to a farmer, the farmer will be like, okay, (laughs) that must be so bad for you. Mm-hmm. Um, because that's the thing is like like Andreas is depressed and he needs help with his depression but he's trying to explain that to people who are like I don't have time to be depressed because I'm literally starving and can't feed my children right so my like, entire family's coughing like yeah. I don't have time for this right now yeah yeah it's it th- this chapter was tough for me because again I, hey I mental health is great go talk to a doctor, get drugs if you need it for your brain, because mm-hmm. lots of us have brains that don't work very well. And seeing Andreas just be so like clearly broken. I was like, Oh, I just, I wish you could get help and you can't mm-hmm. because you're fictional. And also because this is the 16th century. Right. Um, <laughs> yeah. He, this, this was a tough chapter for me, but also is tough for me because as soon as Casper gets introduced that you have this apprentice, I was like, Andreas is going to die. There's no way Andreas is living through this chapter. Andreas Mm. is going to die. And next chapter, I'm going to be playing as Casper. Interesting. Um, So clearly set up for me. We'll get to it. Yeah. So uh, you find out a lot about the conflict between the peasants and the Abbey. And then while all this is going on, 
uh, Otto, who's kind of the leader of the, hey, maybe the church shouldn't be starving us to death faction, um, mm-hmm. gets killed in mysterious circumstances. Right. And this was tough for me because I like, I'm not a pro church guy in general. And in the conversations in this town, I was like, fuck the Abbey. Like, they're clearly in the wrong here. The -hmm. problem with that is the Abbot is the one who gets pinned for the murder. But he was literally standing next to me when the murder happened. And so I'm like, well, listen, the Abbey sucks. The Abbot sucks. But he did not do this. Like, he didn't kill this guy. And that becomes the investigation this time. So I... the first one I was motivated because I was defending my friend. This one was, I was a lot less motivated because it's making you defend someone that like both. I felt Andreas as a character and me as a person didn't have a lot of respect for. Yeah. It's interesting how it puts you in that situation. This is part two of my critique. This is the bigger part of my critique about why Andreas is in charge of these, because what happened, it's a, it's another thing where it's like Otto gets killed they they blame the abbot and then andreas is like well hold on and they're like okay if you find the person who did it we won't kill him and we'll we'll kill that person instead well part of the issue is they can't kill the abbot right away because the abbot locks himself in the library along with everybody else and so they can't get to the abbot right away to kill him which helps buy you some time right uh and they they say uh you have 24 hours to figure it out before we go storm the the abbey but in my game, the entire town was fucking pissed at me for pinning the blame right. on Lucky for the first murder. So again, could not really suspend my disbelief about why they would listen to me in the first place. They hated my guts at the end of Act One. It's been seven years, but like this is a small town. There's like 30 people that live in this town. So yeah. I don't feel like they would have been like, sure, Andreas, take up another investigation. We trust how your <laughs> we trust your judgment, <laughs> my guy. Uh so this was this felt really forced in an unfortunate way uh where i feel like if i had picked someone in the abbey um to pin the blame on in act 1 yeah. this would have made more sense because the townspeople would have had my back but not the way that it worked out for me it was really weird how this turned out i thought yeah i yeah i can see that feeling odd and the only nod i got towards that a bit in mine is that the abbot does invite me to over for dinner. I assume he did the same thing for you. Yep. And and you have a conversation about it that like, I can't believe you're inviting me over. And he's like, yeah, well, you know, Christ and forgiveness and all that. But I still think you're an asshole. And I'm like, cool, I think you're an asshole too. And that was pretty much <laughs> the extent of our conversation. Um, but yeah, it, it, I, I, was, I was so entirely on the town side because of my personal views outside mm. of the game and i felt like andreas would be on their side because i feel like andreas is m- even though he's an artist and like social elite he feels more like man of the people than man of the church to me so it felt mm-hmm. correct for him to be on that side but yeah i imagine that if the townspeople were pushing against me on that that would feel weird it's not all the townspeople but it's like a lot of them because Enough, people liked yeah. people liked Lucky and like the 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 family that Andreas stays with they were still kind of cool except for like the father he hated my guts but that's because Andreas is complaining about being too rich he's, or having yeah. too many commissions. So. Well, and he's got to hate your guts because he's the one who ends up. Uh, well, he doesn't have to hate your guts. He has to be a jerk because right. of how this chapter ends. Uh, right. So, who did you decide was the killer? If any, um, I 
did, I put it on Brother Guy. Me too. Yeah. And I can't remember now what, oh, Guy was stealing from the church. That's what it was. Yeah. Yeah, So the abbot is like, we're out of money. That's why we're taxing people so hard. And then you find out that Guy's been stealing from the church. And I'm like, Guy's the cause of all of this then. Like, again, I didn't necessarily have proof that he killed Otto, but like, Otto died because someone was trying to stop the peasant revolt. The peasant revolt was happening because the townspeople and the peasants were being starved. The townspeople and peasants were being starved because the Abbey was out of money. And the Abbey was out of money because Guy was just skimming off the top. And so I was mm-hmm. like, fuck him. Also, Guy's an asshole. And Guy's an asshole from like the first moment you meet him. Yeah. So once again, I was like, even if I don't feel bad if this is the guy who dies, <laughs> this is Troy, the person playing a video game talking. Troy in right. real life thinks the death penalty should not exist. Troy playing this video game was like, fuck guy, get him out of here. Yeah. Same. Um, although you do get like one step further, there is evidence that you find that Otto knew that guy was doing this. Right. And that guy knew that Otto knew. So it's like the clearest motive of any motives I've had in any of these investigations so yeah. far. So I did. I pinned it on Guy, partly because I thought he probably did it, but also, like you said, he's a dick from the very beginning of the game. He's an asshole. So yeah, uh, you. I pinned it on Guy, and then shit hits the fan at the end of Act Two. Uh, yeah, and I did. I did not see this coming. Yeah, it's intense. I wonder what happened. I wonder if it's just whoever you pick, they run off to the the Miller's house and hole up with the Miller, who's also a dick from the beginning yeah. of the game. I actually never talked to the Miller in Act 1. I didn't speak to him a single time in Act 1. Okay. So I first met him in Act 2 when he was already a murder suspect. I think I met him when I caught him having an affair with someone. I think that was actually the first time I saw him. Right. He goes down by the Roman like aqueduct ruins to have an affair. And then brags about it that he slept with basically everyone in town. He's yeah. married and he slept with all the married women in town. I'm like, cool, this guy's a fun character. Yeah. he He's a dick in Act 1, too. Um, so... What happens is, and I, I think I'm guessing that just whoever you choose uh, runs away, holes up in the windmill with the miller. Um, there's a big confrontation between the townspeople and the miller there. Uh, one of the townspeople gets shot and then um, uh, they, they burn, burn down the windmill. The windmill. Yeah. Yep. With both of them inside. And at, up to that point, even burning the windmill, I was like, yeah, fuck him. Burn the windmill down. He's 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 a dick and he's really proud of that windmill. He brags yeah. about it all the time. So I was like, fuck it, burn it down. The other plot point that's happening here is that soldiers are coming into town tonight yeah. to put down this peasant uprising because they've heard that we're holding the abbot hostage. Right. And so we got to go get him out of the abbey so he can go tell the soldiers, hey, don't don't do a slaughter. It's cool. Right. However, that is not what happens, uh, because it turns out that the the mob, after burning down the windmill, did not just cool down after that. We go to the church, and before you can let the abbot go, Peter, who's the father of the, the host family that Andreas was staying with, um, sets the library on fire. And then it's chaos. The soldiers come. There's a big fight. A bunch of people die, um, like, in the fighting. And then... The bigger thing is that Andreas is trying to save some books from the library and he goes back when he should not have gone back. And Andreas dies in the fire. And at the end of the scene, you see at the, th- there's a painting um, that shows the fighting. And then yeah. at the top of the tower, you see Andreas at the very top. So I initially thought this doesn't make a whole lot of sense for him to be killed off. Uh, in this way because it was such a like rash unsafe 
irrational decision to make. But then putting all those pieces together, I was like, oh, this is Andreas killing himself. Here. Yeah. He, it's it's him giving up. Yeah. Because he's at the top of the tower. If you're trying to escape, you would not be at the top, <laughs> right? So Yeah. I could see it a little bit. This fit into his character for me um, in, in a moment of panic. And, you know, the the library is home to like books that there are single editions of like, this is the only copy of this book in existence mm-hmm. or, or at least there's very few. And so like, I, I can see the motivation, but it was uh, a little abrupt. Um, I'm curious. Did you, did you send Casper away? I did. Uh, yeah. Okay. I did too. So both of us sent Casper away because we're like, tonight's going to be nasty. I don't this know what's going to happen, yeah. but you should get out of town. Uh huh. Um, yeah, interesting. And like I said, I wasn't too, totally surprised by this because like I saw Andreas dying from a mile off. I didn't know how it was going to happen, but this whole final sequence in this act, I'm like, okay, here we go. Like, oh, the the Miller's got a gun. Andreas is going to get shot. Oh, he didn't get shot. Okay, what's going to happen? Because I just was absolutely certain he was going to die because of course you're going to play as Casper in the next sequence. Interesting. So I, I didn't see this coming, uh, just like I rarely ever see things like this coming. <laughs> just the way that I consume uh, media. So Andreas's death to me felt a little bit weird at the time. Uh, number one, because he made such an irrational decision. And number two, I thought that he's doing this because he loves books and he loves the library. But my version of Andreas throughout act one never went in the library, didn't know what was in there. Sure. So I was like, why why would he go in there and save a bunch of books? Um, But then just thinking about it, like I, I wrote in my notes and didn't update it, that it felt forced at the time. But then thinking about it with the context of like how he feels about his life by this point in the game and how this is just him seeing an opportunity to just put an end to it all. Um, it makes more sense in that way. But at the time I was like that, would he really just run in there and try and save all these books? I don't think so, but that's not what he's doing. So I'm kind of come out of it, like kind of cool with this being the end for Andreas, you know? Yeah. So yeah, that that's the end of act two and, uh, act like I, I had seen a couple of like memes for Pentiment that were like, um, you know, at the beginning of the game, you love everything about life and you love life's splendor and the beauty of the birds and the animals. And it's a picture of happy Andreas. And then it's like after playing Pentiment and it's a picture of like Andreas in shambles. And I was <laughs> like, I was like, Oh, I wonder what that means. And that's what that means. Uh, we're starting it here. Yeah, you don't you don't play as Andreas, and you don't play as Casper. Right, you play as uh, Magdalene. Yeah, Mags. Magdalene uh, Drucker, who's the daughter of the printer, um, who's who was one of Andreas's good friends. But this is an eighteen year time yeah. jump, so she was a baby 
during Act Two. Mm-hmm. And now she is, you know, late teens, early 20s, something like that. I guess and she was maybe a baby. you saw Fairmount in Act Two because um, I think her mom had already passed. So basically, anytime you see uh, her dad, who Andreas is friends with, the baby's there too. Right. So I guess I wasn't surprised that you're not playing as Casper. Um, she felt like she felt kind of like a random character to control yeah. uh, when it first started. But then when it gets started with what the point of act three is, then it made more sense because you're not doing a murder mystery in this. You are trying to paint a mural in the town's um, kind of like common hall and you're deciding which, how you want to present the history of the town. Um, And so she is an artist just like Andreas. And uh, so this was cool, like instead of being a murder mystery. And of course we learn about who's been pulling the threads this whole time, but Mm -hmm. this kind of arc of deciding how you want to depict history. There's like two mysteries or two, two stories in this section. Cause there's just Meg's learning about the town for the art. And then there's wrapping up the narrative of the whole game. And the first section of that is really cool because it's like a character learning about the history of the town that you as the player have been spending a bunch of time in, mm-hmm. but she's learning things that you never knew about the town because right. Andreas didn't look for those kinds of things. Right. It, so like when we're talking about the history of the town, we start with like the pagans and mm-hmm. stuff, not just, you know, Andreas 25 years ago. Yeah. Uh, so you're learning about the ancient history of the town. And I thought this was cool how, like you get to choose how you want to depict history. And it's a cool look at how like whoever made the paintings or wrote the books, they're the authorities on how it really was because we don't have the other side of things and you are choosing you're the authority on how you want to present the history of the town. Do you want to tell like the pagan history that's going to piss off the church? Uh, Or do you want to tell like a kind of toned down version that everyone can like half agree with like that. The way that you have to uncover by talking to different people, by exploring different areas is all really cool. But the, the, the conceptual part of it is like stands out to me as like such a cool idea. Mm -hmm. Um, And the townspeople are split on how they think stuff should be portrayed to not really like the pagan and Roman history of the town, but like the last part of the mural is the, the peasant revolt and how you want to depict that. And people are split. Like some people are like, nope, tell it how it was. So the people will know how it was. And then some people are like, Hey, my neighbors got like, my family got killed in that. Don't, I don't want to see that in the town hall. And that was cool too. Um, I don't think we don't need to go through the whole thing, but do you want, do you want to talk about what, what you picked for your panels? Do you remember what you picked for your panels? Um, let's see, let's see if I wrote down uh, the notes. Uh, what did you put? Um, I, well, I'm just trying to pull it back up. So I know for the first one, which kind of talks about how the, the valley became fertile. I did a story that Smokey told me about, uh, uh, a couple of, uh, Greek gods getting it on. And when Mm -hmm. he spilled his seed on the ground, that's when the flowers and fruits started blooming. And so I was like, (laughs) hell yeah, I'm going to paint that on the wall. Um, and then for the next set I did when the, um, basically the, the, the pagan community that lived in the town was driven out by the Romans. And then when the Romans left, that community came back, but now as Christians. And so I painted them returning to the town as Christians for the next part, mm-hmm. because I felt like that captured the history 
that like that one moment was a good encapsulation of the whole history because it acknowledged the pagans, it acknowledged the Romans, and it acknowledged how the town became a Christian town. Yeah, so I found my screenshot uh, of the last mural, and I didn't do the one with the Greek gods. There is a um, kind of uh, a wolf and a person in the forest, and they like nursed a wolf back to health or something like that, kind of like a, an old story like that. The second panel was the the people returning to the town um, surrounded by the Roman uh, ruins. Mm-hmm. Um, the third one is Otto in the town square, um, just kind of talking about how everything's fucked up. And then the last one in the panel was uh, the discovery you make under the church in town. Right. Yeah. I uh, I did not do auto for that. I did. Uh, I depicted the Abbey burning. I believe was my okay. my third one. Yeah. So it's interesting the choices you make. Um, I was kind of after the last several choices that I had felt like they had the worst consequences. <laughs> I was pretty scared to like really piss everybody off because I didn't want Magdalene to get killed or something. Because. <laughs> uh, like, <laughs> The other part of it is um, in Act Three, somebody attacks her father and like mortally yeah. wounds him. Yeah. So, so he's dying throughout this whole chapter, and the the other chapters take place over like a day or two, and this one takes place over a period of months. You only play right. a few days, but but there's an indication of a passing of time, and and your dad just gets worse and worse. Right. So you get more notes, and someone like tries, uh, but mortally wounds your father. Um, so you get more notes. And so I was more worried about my choice in this act about how to depict these things. Cause I was like, well, someone, it felt like someone was trying to stop the mural from being made in the first place. That's why they attacked mm-hmm. your father and spoiler, that kind of is what's happening. Yeah. So I was worried about pissing off the wrong person with what I did. So I went with some of those more toned down versions of what actually happened, which could be analogous to how real history has been written, or at least by the people who survived long enough to write how things went, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, did you end up going into the salt mines in this section? I did. Yeah. Um, there's, there's a moment that happens in the salt mines that I'm confused by where a rock falls down on you. Yeah. And Mags takes it as the same person who attacked her father trying to attack her it's eventually revealed that that's not the case and so i don't quite know what that scene was you know i i really got the feeling that it was if not the same person who attacked uh someone was told to go do it or something maybe i'm misremembering i thought it was revealed that it was the other character reveal that happens i thought it was that person we're in the spoiler section (laughs) yeah so (laughs) Um, there's there's someone sneaking around. Yeah, I thought listening. it was the person who was the 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 innocent person who was sneaking around. I, I thought it right. was real that that's who knocked the rock down. So I was like, did, was that just a coincidence? But it, anyway, um, you in the process of doing all this digging, you find out a lot about the town. You get a lot of those notes. Everything kind of culminates at a Christmas party, which is a very cool scene where you just get to go around and talk to everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, someone's at my door. <laughs> sorry about that no problem do not remember what i was saying oh the christmas feast yeah 
Uh, this this had the singing that I really really loved, um, where they just they sing a nice Christmas song and it made me really happy. Yeah, it was great because everything or so many things in the story had been so shitty up until that point that it yeah it it really felt like you know I imagine that at at this time in history, uh, everyone's day to day life is pretty shitty, pretty repetitive, pretty monotonous, and then a couple times a year you have a festival or a big feast and everyone gets to have a good time and. You look forward to that for the next six months until the next one. So that's yeah. kind of how it felt for me too, with all how everything was going in the story up until then. And it was nice that like there wasn't a murder hanging over everything <laughs> yeah. right now. Like <laughs> your dad's really sick and and is about to die, which I guess is just a prolonged murder, but it felt different. Um and and you know, because your dad hasn't passed away yet, you do talk about him with the townspeople, but it's all like really warm messages of support and mm-hmm. how important he was to the town is to the town. But in terms of you, you mentioned uh, in this time period, your day to days, pretty shit. I th- was thinking about that. One of the times I went in to check on my dad, a dude's just laying there. He he lays in a bed for like two months before mm-hmm. he dies. And I'm like, man, this is not a good time period to be bedridden. Cause like, no. if I, you know, if I, if I got hit by a truck this afternoon and broke my leg, like at least I got a switch, you know, I can, I can lay right. in bed and play some games <laughs> or something. This exactly. guy's not doing anything. <laughs> like he, he probably can't, well, he's a printer, so maybe he can read. But he should be, I assume, I think he can read. Yeah. It's, but it's not like he's going to have a library of books at the house. Uh, they read. all got burned down. <laughs> yeah. So that sucks. He's got nothing to do, but sleep and stare at the ceiling. His own, his own thoughts, which no thanks. So you said there's no murder at the Christmas feast, but there is a fake out because when you get home from the Christmas feast, uh, there's a shadowy figure outside your house. Uh, yeah, you I so I don't have footage of this. I wish I had it recorded so I could go back and check. I guess I could probably watch someone's live stream. I could have sworn that I saw somebody leaving the Christmas feast. Like I thought I saw somebody walk out and didn't process who it was and then was sure when i saw the shadowy figure i'm like that's whoever whoever left the feast is the shadowy figure yeah um, but it's not so i don't know if i just imagined seeing someone leave the feast or if it's the other suspicious character maybe they left the feast you, anyway there, you might have seen one like i can't remember either but it's like out of the corner of your eye they're just exiting the screen or like you see them out the window or something like that yeah. Um, but there, there is, and then you go back and they're like, oh shit, you're headed toward your house. And then you yep. go back and then they're outside the house and you're like, oh, this is the killer. And it's not, it's Andreas. He's Andreas alive. is not dead. Yeah. That was a big shock to me. Um, I thought for sure he was dead, but womp womp. Andreas didn't die, but Casper did. So that's so, okay. That's what I read that I was going to ask you about. Okay. So apparently we both failed the check to convince him to leave Tassing. You can actually succeed that check because it says failing the check will result in Casper leaving, but returning to help Andreas out of the burning library yep, and dying in the that's process. That's what happened. Yep. Succeeding will, inali- will alienate Andreas, but save Casper's life. So Casper didn't have to die. If basically, if you're a real jerk to Casper, then when you tell him to leave town, he actually leaves town. But because uh, we were nice to Casper, we told him to leave town and he stuck around. Damn it. Yeah. We should have been jerks. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't want to be a dick to Casper. Casper's he's he's got to follow this sad sack around all the time and like he's not really like teaching him art or anything. He's, you know, solving well, be, murders and stuff. It's because he becomes he puts his detective hat on and says, "No, right. I'm going to you're going to be an apprentice detective." Yeah. 
Yeah, Casper didn't have to die. That's what I read and was so confused by. (sighs) (laughs) So the way they they explain it is that after the fire, Andreas felt guilty about how everything turned out, um, including Casper dying, um, but didn't want to go back home because he he doesn't want to face his wife or something like that. Uh, so he's just been fucking chilling, living in the aqueducts and shit. Like, yeah, hanging out in the, in the burnt down abbey. Yeah, out living the in the abbey. Because uh, there's a couple times in Act Two when you go in the abbey to explore um, and look for clues, and there's someone else in there. And, Act Three. Oh, Act Three. Yeah, yeah, Act Three. And it turns out that was Andreas uh, when yeah. you thought it was the killer stalking you or something. It's just Andreas Which is, trying to. So- I, I thought that she said it was you following me when I was in the mines, but maybe, maybe I misremembered that, but this yeah, is where I, I thought she said that. I, I can't say for sure, but the, the key thing here is that now we're back on like the mystery hunt because Andreas um, says that the same person who killed the Baron, the same one who got auto killed, same person who did this to your father. So now we're on the hunt and Andreas thinks he knows where this thread puller is. Do you did you get the sense that Andreas knew who the thread puller was at this point or did he just know he had figured out where to look? I think he had just figured out that something was under the new building, uh, okay. the rat house as they call it. Yeah. Yeah, hell yeah, rat house. Rat house. <laughs> That's probably pronounced cooler in German. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure it is. Yeah. So you go it bust probably in. Doesn't, it probably doesn't literally mean rat house when you tr- when you <laughs> translate it. Probably not. <laughs> Uh, you go with Andreas and you bust through a wall and you find yeah. some bathhouses. Um, Andreas has like just a little, just a little acid trip as he's exploring the bathhouse, mm-hmm. um, um, which is a trip back to his his little dream mansion courtyard, which is just yeah. on fire and there's like a big jester stomping around in the background. Yeah, it's a it's a mess. Um, and then you go back in that maze, except this time you get locked in the maze. Every time you get close to the exit, it shifts. And, yeah. uh, so it's like Andreas taking, taking on his demons and he talks in the maze. He talks to August, August talks back to him and kind of reassures him that, you know, it's, it's still worth pushing on and that he forgives him, that he loves him and all of that is a really sweet conversation there. That just made me really sad. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. And then you, uh, you kind of come back to in reality and you're in this spot that was important to the Romans. Um, Mags had found a couple uh, indicators of this area, um, but figured it was destroyed. It turns out it's just been buried down here. Right. Um, what did they call it? Something the... that starts with an M. I know they call it the tabernacle as well, but right. there's, a, there's a an M word. Yeah, I didn't write it down. But uh, the, nope. the Mithrium, that's what it is. Yeah. Um, and it's it's this uh, little room that has depictions of uh, Mars and uh, another Roman god who I can't remember the name of. But basically, it's the Romans version of the rat house where they right. were depicting the history of the town. Um, and uh, there's a woman in here who is uh, uh, Amelia. Um, yeah, who... Amelia, Amalia. Right? Amalia. I wrote her name down. I can't find it. Uh, I think it's Amalia, who yeah. is this woman who lives in a a room attached to the church, and she she's like a super nun, where all she does is she's just got this small room, and she sits in there and digs her own grave and thinks about God, 
um, mm-hmm. and has visions. And you've, you've run into her throughout the story because she keeps having visions before people die. Right. Um, did you ever suspect her during the story? Not really. No, okay. she, she seemed very committed to digging her own grave and stuff yeah. like that. So no, I did briefly because of the lettering on the notes. I was like, this yeah. feels like somebody who was doing scriptorium type work and then stopped. And I don't know if nuns do that, but for some reason I got a vibe off her. And then when I saw the scene where she talks about digging her own grave, I was like, "Never mind. She's, she's not going anywhere. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> she does have an odd vibe. That's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, she's also got some sort of medical condition. Apparently that means she's very flexible, I guess, I think is what they're saying. Because Andreas mm. is like, I saw a ghost like bending and folding through openings that no one could fit through. And she's like, oh, yeah, I can do that. I'm, I've got Mr. Fantastic Powers or yeah. something. <laughs> um, so it turns out she's been the thread puller all along and it's been her that's been getting everybody killed. But Except wait. Not- yeah. Twist. Plot twist. Right. Um, so it's it's Father Thomas who was um, kind of like you're dealing with all the the people in the abbey, the abbot. All the other, the brothers. All, and, all the, the monastic organization, right. which is the monks and the nuns and all that. Right. But then there's also a There's church. just the local church. Yeah. Um, and he's been super helpful and super friendly the entire time. And anytime you want to come talk to him, um, it's been really great. And he, he doesn't get mad at you for uh, eavesdropping on confessions and stuff like that that yeah. you can do in Act 3. Um, but it turns out he's been the thread puller the whole time. And his... So it was a, a shock to me to find out that he was the one pulling the strings. But then when he starts to explain why, I thought that that was really cool, like really yeah. awesome, um, like thematic, like j- on like this small scale level, but also like if we're blowing this up into one of the bigger themes of the game, um, the importance of faith for people, especially people in these times. Um, yeah. I thought that this was excellent as like a, a motivating factor. Yeah, he's basically the, the first murder he committed was actually way before you were there. He killed yeah. the prior abbot um, because he had a book that talked about the founding of the town. And mm-hmm. in the founding of the town, it included this story that predates the church being in the town. And the church tells a version of this story where it is a Christian saint who is the protagonist. But it turns out that this story precedes it. So basically the church co-opted a local legend and turned it into a Christian legend, which is Mm -hmm. a thing. I mean, that's Christmas and Easter. Like all the major Christian holidays are all built on top of another thing that they co-opted and and turned into a Christian version. And basically Mm -hmm. the abbot found out about this. And Father Thomas was like, if the people of this town find out that the Christian story we tell is actually based on a non-Christian story. It's really going to undermine the power of the church. Nobody's going to come to the town because there's there's a temple to the saint in the town. Mm-hmm. So some of the town's livelihood comes from people visiting the abbey because the temple's there. Um, and so he he committed one murder to try to cover it up. Um, and then it turns out that the Baron had another copy of the book and was yeah. going to donate it to the abbey. And so that's why the Baron had to, had to die. Right. And then Otto... Yeah, Otto's is cool. Because I thought I was going to, I was like, okay. And then he killed Otto because Otto was threatening 
the abbey but no it's so much better no it's cool because when Otto Otto's part of the construction team for building the rat house the the town the common hall um, and he finds the head there's this statue outside of the town in the meadow um, that's just like some feet, feet and yeah. lower leg uh, decrepit statue he finds the head of the statue and everyone thinks it's this it's a it's a statue of saint martis i think mortis moritz saint moritz moritz so it's it's a statue of this saint that the like, saint the saint that helped found this town right but it's not the saint it's a statue of the roman god mars uh, that he finds the head for and this cannot get out into the public according to father thomas because uh, it would just undermine again it would, it would the prove people. that that the church lied basically about this yeah. town so it would hurt the town, it would undermine the church's authority, but it would also, he says, it would shake the faith of the people in town because they've lived their entire life being told these stories and accepting them as true and as like more than true. If you're if you're really like believing religion, this is this is life. And to have that all come crashing down, he thinks would be like so terrible on so many levels that a couple of murders are justifiable. And he was the one who arranged to have um, Magdalene's father attacked. Uh, and I don't remember why I didn't write that down um, because of the, the, he didn't want the mural to happen. Oh, the all. mural. That's right. The yeah. mural. I said it at the beginning of this act and yep. then I forgot. <laughs> um, um, yeah. And he was using sister Amelie. So she has been out of her cell, but she thinks it's in spiritual visions that she, goes around the town leaving these notes but it's actually mm -hmm. father thomas sends her out to do it she right. says through her grave which made me wonder did she like literally dig her grave and go through it to get down here or does he like drug her and bring her to i don't know i i would love to have understood better how he orchestrated this but basically well, the cool thing mm -hmm. about it is like we said before he put out a lot of feelers so he knew the baron needed to die and so he put out notes to try to lure several different people into murdering the baron and again the game doesn't actually tell you who did it so right may maybe it was lucky i don't think it was but it is possible the game does not prove that it wasn't lucky mm -hmm. it's very cool i i the this the the way that it all pulled together i was extremely satisfied with yeah yeah i i really like that um you know amalia has been digging that grave for like 25 years now She's mm -hmm. certainly dug up enough for herself, <laughs> we'll, we'll say. So She says she digs a little each day. So yeah, it's got to be pretty deep. Just one handful a day or something. I don't know. But yeah, let's just start with the fact that like you could not have deduced the correct answers to the murders early in the game. In Act 2, I don't think it matters. But in Act 1, it certainly matters. Uh, because uh, if you're like me, you'll kill a beloved townsperson <laughs> um, when... You'll you'll never know the correct answer, and I I thought that was cool after the fact to say like oh no there are these much bigger things in motion you're a very small piece of this puzzle you actually Andreas doesn't really matter the choices that he makes don't really matter because the grand plan is still continuing regardless of who gets killed the the father doesn't care yeah the the people dying was the important part not who killed yeah. them like like yeah the the machinations of of why those specific people died was what was actually significant right one other thing i think was cool about the this revelation at the end um is that in act three as we're going through like these aqueducts and stuff like that and like it's like dungeon crawling kind of 
I started to get the feeling and like Andreas is getting visions and I was like, Oh, is this going to be some, you know, is this going to be a God, you know, or something like that? And it's not, it's not a supernatural ending. It's a, it's a person making a choice based on faith and what they, the truth that, that they want to persist basically. And I thought that it was really cool that this stays grounded in realism. I would imagine that real people have killed people for, uh, threatening to expose things that would be counter to like the faith that they're putting yeah. out there. Um, and the fact that everyone is extremely religious and the fact that it's so important to them and the fact that this revelation probably would have shaken the town like irreparably gives enough like believability to why he's doing this. So he's like, he's a monster. Of course he's killing people. And then at the end he's going to bring down the whole fucking thing to make sure the secret doesn't get out. But it still felt like something a real person would do. And it continues with like that realistic part that the game has been going on the the whole time. So like, maybe I just play too many video games where you find out at the very end that (laughs) the thing that's happening is not at all, even on the same scope of the rest of the story. And you were expecting Andreas to team up with his best friends and go fight God and fight God. Right. Exactly. (laughs) I play too many JRPGs. Um, and so the fact that this did stay local, it stayed realistic. Uh, this is not a grand conspiracy by the greater church. It's just this guy. Yep. was really cool. It's very cool. I, I, I really liked it a lot. He then goes crazy. Uh, you used the phrase, uh, if this all came crashing down earlier, and he does, mm-hmm. in fact, bring it all crashing down because it turns out that the room you're in is directly beneath the church. And so yeah. his plan is, well, I'll protect the church by destroying the church. And he right. knocks out some pillars and literally collapses the thing. Right. And then you get a choice. I think it, right at this point is where it talks about the final choice, which is basically, do you tell people or not? Right. Um, um, and your father dies too. That, that also happens. Oh um, God, he, that's right. And it's, <sighs> it's, uh, it's sad because you are almost done with the mural and like his yeah. kind of, you got the feeling like his final wish was to see the mural before he dies. Cause he knows he's dying and Magdalene wants him to see it before he dies. And he just doesn't make it. And it that's, was really sad. I don't think he cared about the mural at all. That's interesting. I I don't think he cared about seeing the mural before he died. Mags cares. Magdalene's that's her driving force is he's got to see the mural before he dies. I don't, I don't think he cared. I I mean, okay. I thought (sighs) he wanted to see it because he's really proud of his daughter for creating it like in that way. Yeah. But yeah, it's super sad that he just doesn't make it. Um, It literally like the day before it's done, he dies. Yeah. And he dies as you're telling him all of what happened. Right. Like, mid-conversation Magdalene realizes he's not responding and his right. hand drops and oh oh yeah so um you like we said you get to decide how you want to portray everything um I decided to kind of like I said tell a kind of tamer version of like the myths of the founding of the town and then the truth about the Romans and then not the abbey burning and then you chose to show the Abbey burning and mm-hmm. you showed the fun myth about the gods having fun in the forest. And, but I, and then I, the ultimate decision of, do you tell them about, you know, what father Thomas did? Basically I, I right. said to tell the truth on, um, but the game doesn't, I mean, you see your mural at the end, 
Right. But there's not any conversation about Father Thomas. Like, like you right. go back and you're telling your dad about it when he dies, and then that's the last that it's spoken of. There's no, there's no postscript to the thread puller. Right. Um, so part of the story. And this was something that kind of bugged me at the very end. How like this was made out to be this extremely important thing that's being hidden from the townspeople. Um, like I said, I, I got the distinct feeling just putting everything together, everything I know about these people, this would have fucked them up to learn that yeah. they're everything that they've known is not true. Um, they're even like down to their religion is it's all fabricated. Um, and I decided to tell them the truth. And then, like you said, it just goes to the credits and that's it. Or you get one more scene with, with Magdalene, but yeah, I but was kind of like, on that. yeah, I was kind of like, you made this out to be such a big choice with huge repercussions for the town, but you're not going to show me how they reacted to it unless the point is just you imagined in your head how they're going to react. Yeah, it's it's a, it's a weird it was an odd choice to me that they don't really dwell on that. And and I guess to support your idea that the point is think about how they would react. I don't think the religion part of it would have been that big of a deal because everybody in the town knows that the town's built on a Roman town that was built on a pagan town. Like nobody seems conflicted about that. Not that. And yeah. people already tell stories about um, how the Valley was founded. And, and even though the town is very religious, a lot of the conversations I had with people about those stories, they seem to acknowledge that, yeah, well, that's the story. Like, like mm -hmm. there's an air of like, it's not necessarily word for word factual. The part that I thought would fuck people up is that it's Father Thomas. Like for 25 years, this guy has been the, the he's in charge of confessions at the church and he's the mm -hmm. one like telling you how to absolve yourselves of your sins. And it turns out that he was like a multi-murderer. Like that's the part that I thought would be messed up. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you just, you just, the game doesn't give you that. So on one hand, I was left kind of disappointed that you don't get to see for a game that's given you the consequences of your actions the whole time in heavy handed fashion. You don't get any uh, resolution with that. But I, I guess I understand that sometimes stories end this way and you're left to kind of interpret how it ends for yourself. You do get a little bit of, of, closure on some storylines in the the other side of the mural though because the the final scene is magdalene leaving the town basically right. she's yeah, yeah. she's moving to prague she's not gonna be in tassing anymore and you see andreas he's looking a bit better the the townspeople have helped him clean up hopefully got him on uh i don't know some wellbutrin or something something mm -hmm. to help him stabilize <laughs> his brain um <laughs> they found but, some herbs out in the forest yeah. for him yeah you 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 then you get a little oh a weirdly like mid 90s fmv cutscene of the paintings on the walls um mm. and you see the murals that mags did and then you see this like giant family tree type thing depicting the town mm -hmm. and there's there's different things that can be on the tree did you did you note any of the images that were on your tree i probably noted them in the moment but not um, um in my notes so the I first forget. one for me was that mags and and little otto get married Mm -hmm. so she tell i gotta choose to tell him to like come find me in prague if you decide you want to leave the small town and the first painting on the tree was them like embracing so that was good mm -hmm. um there was a painting of Voslov, i think his name is uh, a guy who hangs out with Smokey in the woods yeah um yeah there was a there was a painting of him being burned at the stake um oh, that's fun 
Yeah, it turns out he has a conversation about with you about the Eucharist when you're Magdalene. Mm-hmm. And if you are tell him like, hey, that's sacrilege, don't do that, then it's a picture of him like kneeling in priestly robes. But I told him, like, yeah, the Eucharist is a weird concept. And I so then too. apparently he got burned at the stake <laughs> for that. Um and then the last one I remember is the uh the blacksmith in town. As Andreas in Act 2, I had a conversation with him. Well, in Act 1, I had a conversation with him about how he's never been married. Yeah. In Act 2, I had another another conversation with him. And in that one, he said something about, like, if only I had talked to that girl in Innsbruck. And you're like, what? And he's like, there was this girl. She was really cute. And I had Andreas be like, dude, go get her. Yeah, me and, too. And so then they're on the tree. It's the two of them. And they've got, like, a whole bunch of kids. Yeah. Um, which can be different depending on whether or not you encourage him. Um, that's all I remember. I feel like there was one more image, but I can't think of what it was. But... I th- that was an interesting, like, tiny bit of closure on on some of your actions mm-hmm. and choices, but it still leaves the the big choice without any sort of acknowledgement. Right. Yeah. It, it's just interesting how they did that. Uh, Andreas has a happy ending, I guess, as happy as it can be for him, where he still feels lost in life, but the town welcomes him back. Um, even in my game, when. <laughs> less when people now because you can say you killed been, Bucky. <laughs> it's been 25 years so some of the people who are the most angry are dead now but yeah he he does get to stay and he has a relatively happy ending and you know you can just kind of get the feeling that like things are looking up for andreas after i mean how could they not look up after he spent <laughs> 18 it's, years it's living gonna be in, better than the last 18 yeah <laughs> They, um, he painted the family tree. Um, it's got his signature on it. So I don't oh, know cool. how long that means he stayed in the town for, but he at least stuck around for a while because he's the one who painted the family tree. Cool. Yeah, that last part where they're showing you the mural and the family tree, like the graphical style shifts, like it reminded me of inscription. It was kind of jarring. Um, yeah, it was, it was <laughs> weird. It like, I mean, you know what? It, it actually kind of reminded me of this being Obsidian, this perhaps appropriate. It reminded me of like the cutscenes in er- the early Fallout games, oh, not yeah. Fallout 3, like the right. intro cutscenes you would have in like that era of CRPGs. It, mm-hmm. it looked wrong. Like it, for, for how high budget of a studio I know they can be, it looked kind of bad. Uh, it was, it was odd. It, it was, it was just odd given the, you spent the last for me 14 hours in this like very stylized uh art style and then we go to something totally different um, yeah so i don't know i liked looking at the mural it was kind of cool it took some screenshots and stuff um but yeah that is pentiment so going through the story here i guess like just to wrap up so like with the choose your own adventure aspect of it like i i kind of had a feeling but i wanted to get through this part with you to confirm or deny but like we had different people get killed we had different people you know as players in the story um depending on who gets killed and stuff but the story doesn't change really like you'll go through act one everyone's gonna probably kill someone different you'll go through act two you'll probably kill people different people casper might die but like the story is the story and then you get to act three and act three I don't act three is about the fact that the story is the story like that. That's kind of the point is, is act one. You're like, oh man, this is going to make such a big difference. Right. Two, you're like, wow, this is wild. And then act three is like, yeah, but that's, it's history now. Like, like the, the, the particulars aren't as important as the bigger picture. Mm. Yeah. So I just wanted to kind of confirm through this. And now I'm glad that we did that. This is, it's not really a branching path story. There's different 
things that can happen along the way. Different people survive, but the story of this game is the story for everybody, basically. Yeah. And there's no fail states, really. Like, you can fail checks of specific things, mm-hmm. but the story will still progress. Like, there's no game over screen in this. Like, right. Because regardless of what actions you take, the story is going to happen. Yeah. And that's a cool thing that I, I'm glad that games and RPGs have started to adopt more of a a fail-forward type yeah. of uh, way of storytelling. It makes it more interesting. And if you're good at writing, which Obsidian is, then you can make those failures interesting and not feel so bad. Even though I was kind of like, just <laughs> again, like all of those tallies of the, this will be remembered type things. I was like, I didn't pass any of those. I, I feel <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's funny. I, I passed several of them, but mm. um, yeah. Anyway, but it's cool. I, 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 there's, there's branching paths within each section. Like you didn't go into the church library in act one. You didn't go into the convent in act three. Did you? The I did. Yeah. I, okay. I, I, nice, lied, to, nice, I like, lied to lies. them and said, yeah. yeah, that was fun. But yeah, there, there's like, there's, there's some different things you can do, but the overall story is, is the story. Like the overall story still is the same for everybody. Right. So that's pretty cool. Um, because act three ended up being like, they wanted to tell a specific story. There is a specific killer who has specific motive motivations. So, the way that it turned out is is cool. Um, I really like this game and really like this conversation. Troy, thanks so much for coming on to talk Pentiment. Yeah, absolutely. It was fun. Yeah. Uh, thanks for getting me to play this game because, again, I don't think I ever would have picked it up if it wasn't for doing the show. And I, if I had picked it up, I would have given up somewhere in Act 1 because I was mm. so frustrated by the act of playing it. But once I got about midway into Act 2, I was like, all right, I'm hooked on the story now. Like... Now I need to see where it's going to go, even if I think it's a frustrating game. The story and the art design and stuff make it worthwhile. So Cool. I'm glad you came out of it uh, with that because I I would just always hate to recommend and like get someone to commit to playing a game for the show. And then they come on and they're like, this fucking sucked. I hated it. (laughs) I was a little worried. I almost backed out somewhere in the first chapter because I was like, I don't know if you want me to talk about this game with you because I don't have that much nice to say, but it definitely grew on me once I started digging the, the, into the story more. So even if I didn't get to dig that hole. Yeah. (laughs) I'll carry that to my grave. One day I'll dig that hole. Maybe someday a game will let us do it. So again, thank you for uh, for taking two hours to talk about Pentiment. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Uh, one more plug at the end of the show to check out geek to geek Media and Troidal Power presents the Power Playthroughs podcast with Troidal Power for your audio-only Let's Play needs. Tune in next time for the next game to come out of the backlog.